Hello P1s, it is Trey Mitchell here presenting you some interviews that Work in Progress has done during quarantine for the last few months. These interviews are from the months of March, April, and May 2020. We'll have another podcast with more interviews as time goes on. We have a whole bunch of ticket personalities, including Bob Sturm, Dan McDowell, Davey Lane, Donovan Lewis, George Dunham, Jake Kemp, and Craig Jr. Miller discussing a lot of things, including George talking mascots, Jr. with some hypotheticals and conspiracy talk, Dan talking Black Mirror, and Bob talking sports. Work in Progress is David Mino and Justin Montemayor, and they broadcast every Sunday morning from 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. on Sports Radio 96.7 FM and 1310 The Ticket. Be sure to listen. It's a lot of fun. We have a very special, not in studio, not on the phone guest. Ryan pre-introduced him during the he ticket. He did. So I've that's an actual that thing. That's awesome. This is a real pre-introduction. Hey, ticker guys have to be able to uh, to change with the times too. If there's no sports, you got to report on the other news. And the uh, work in progress news of the day is we are joined by Dan McDowell. Dan, do you read Whoa. us? Testing, testing. Do you read me? Yeah, there he is. Crystal clear. So you're not. Time you fire out of bed this morning. No echo, Justin. Hmm. I don't hear. I had an echo on Justin earlier when I was listening. Do we still have echo now? No. No, yeah, you're fine. You had like a one segment period. I hope not. Because that would be annoying in your ear, probably. What's up? What's up? Okay. What's, what time did you fire out of bed this morning? Yeah. What's the normal? Because I know you used to have the reputation of getting up, I don't know, 10, 1030 on weekday mornings, and then you started getting up a little earlier. What's your normal weekend? And weekend used to be like one. Oh, that's great. I used to just be able to sleep forever. It was great. And uh, now I can't because I'm old or something. I think that's it. So I Is it because you can't it's a boomer you move? Uh, like I just wake up, you know, and just kind of can't go back to sleep. If I could, I would want to sleep till noon and one. It was great. And then you get to people like, oh, man, you can accomplish so much before. It's like, whatever. That's your old co-host. Yeah, but but everybody, you know, oh, man, you can do so much, and it's the best time of day. And I mean, you do. It, it is true. Now that I get up earlier, like 830, which is the earliest I probably ever get up any day is 830, which I did today. Uh, you do. You get a lot get a lot of stuff done, and that's fine. But you could do stuff later if you wanted to. So... I don't begrudge yeah. people who sleep till one. I think, I mean, I'm like you. I've definitely heard you say this on the show before. There's no difference in what you can accomplish between 11 and 1, you know, p.m. to a.m. and 5 to 7 a.m. Like, the same things can still be done. Yeah, a lot of those dorks who get up at 5 a.m. are going to bed at 10. Right. You know what I'm accomplishing at 10? Well, not much, but I could. You know what I could be right. doing at 10? <laughs> yeah, it's always just a justification. Like, like I'm not really doing a lot, but it's more justifying when you want to call me a loser because I woke up at 3 p.m. today. I'm like, I, I got so much done last night when I went to bed at 4 a.m. And nothing's worse than the guy that judges you on how late or whatever you get up. Like, oh, how early you get up? Oh, 8.30. Oh, 8.30? I was up at... I was up at six. <laughs> yeah, I'm like okay, okay, good for you. I don't care. <laughs> you won. You're 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 better than me. You I won guess that two hours. I slot. don't care. 
Yeah, that's that's annoying. But I'm healthier because look at all that sleep. <laughs> they say that's very important for your health. It's good sleep. Well, it's a matter of getting eight hours. When you get it, that seems to me like it should be dealer's choice. You want that to be 4 a.m. to 2 p.m., God love you. Well, we we like you to wake up at noon. I will say it is... 11.55. Here's the mix the with Norm first. Yeah. I did feel like a huge loser when I would wake up at 2 p.m., but that didn't stop me from doing it. Mm-hmm. Like The self-guilt wasn't great enough to where it would prevent me from doing it. No one believed in you. No one believed you could wake up at 2, but you did it. <laughs> You're like LeBron. And again, it took Saroy berating me on air for I finally had the inner, damn, maybe I should wake up when it at least says a.m. on the clock. Did it take there. him berating you or us replaying it like a year later? <laughs> I was going to say, probably the four or five times after, really let it set in what time like, I should fire out of bed. Man, I hate that something like that, so gold, could exist for a year and I didn't know it. <laughs> I hated it was, uh, tuning in early this morning when I woke up just to see what you guys were doing. Like, Mino said he went to Billy Joel last year. How did I not know that? I think I, I told you. We did not discuss we, that on uh, the show, did we? I might have brought brought it up. I don't I don't remember. You almost had a full-blown ago. panic attack. Yeah, it was... Because you had tickets originally, right, Dan? With yeah. uh, you and your Did you all end up going? No, nah, because of her something school, play, theater... It was. I mean, it was. It was too crowded. It was. It was kind of fire festy where they didn't have enough entrances and exits, and it was just. It was the last concert at the the Rangers ballpark. At the time, it was until they. I think they're having. Well, they were supposed to have one this summer, but it's probably canceled because of you know the Rona and everything. But I think Weezer and other bands are were supposed to play there this summer, but. At the Globe Life. Yes, at the old park. Huh. I believe I have to look that up, but okay. Well, no, I bought sure. those tickets. Like, oh yeah, these it says here the last concert. That's going to be great. Yeah, Green Day, Weezer, and Fallout Boy. Okay, hell yeah. Boy. There you go, Justin. Well, it's still going to be the last concert because of the whole Rony, the Rony. Right. You know, the I, world I had, always corrects itself. I thought I had this great bit that no one else would know about, and I was going to uh, I was going to wow you with the information about the. Uh, Pornhub putting out their top search <laughs> <laughs> words, I guess, in each each state, and they said Texas was lesbian, which I can't believe. I've contributed to that. Happy Easter, by the way, everybody. Oh, but but then, in, really, I wanted to say the fact that it was uh, Kevin James in Tennessee. They that. Do you think they just threw that in there for comedy, just to make people comment? <laughs> they had and, to. Like that is not. Ever a search on Pornhub? Not once. Well, I mean, I checked just to see if he had anything out there. <laughs> I mean, deep fakes are getting pretty pretty good these days. That's true. And is there maybe a you want to see him and Ben Stiller's dad? Is, is there a porn star maybe named Kevin and then James is like J A Y M E S or something? That's a good one with a Z maybe. Uh, James. But what state yeah, is searching? Kevin James. A, a dude, <laughs> dude, porn star is number one. Seems you wrong. must really be really be bringing it if you have to be like, talented. I mean, there's a bunch of weird ones on here. So Oklahoma's is Goth Hospital. Hell like yeah. that can't be real either, right? That's a porn. That's very specific. Goth? Yeah, that's Oklahoma's number one porn search. Is Goth Hospital. So I just did a search of Kevin James porn, 
And uh, oh, it looks wow. like there is a star out there with that name because there are some pretty crazy titles up in here. Really? Okay. Going to school in Oklahoma, I can confirm the uh, goth hospital thing. Why? What if they're they're yeah. weird up there? That is weird. Like Tiger, you, you saw Tiger King. That all of that is throughout the whole state. Is Goth Hospital like workout goth? <laughs> like they are goth, but they're really into fitness. We have a lot going on. <laughs> this show I want right to know what is workout goth. Jim Goth, yeah, just goth who are really into fitness. Just goth That's, kids that are into what? their bodies. I didn't realize there were that healthy. was a thing. I have yeah. not seen that. They were the either spotting each other. Yeah. I really want to know what would have happened if Make-A-Wish got our two Kevin Jameses mixed up and I went and accidentally met the <laughs> to porn that site. star. You got to hang out set. on site all day. Yeah, I'm just or like, this set, is yeah. not... Are you sure this is the King of Queens set? You would not have uh, denied that, though. <laughs> no, but I don't know if I would have wanted to hang out with the male. I probably would have been looking around for other people. Would they have let you... Would they have hooked you up with Alexis Texas for a day? Not for sexual activity just to hang out with her on set that's a good question probably not i mean definitely not on set because i would have been a minor um i don't know maybe i should just roll up to children's right now and see if i can convince anyone to take alexis texas as a bit that's yeah i wonder what the line is of is it just athletes and movie stars like they won't give you cars or anything as far as like who you can meet I don't know. And you can go to Disney World and stuff, right? They can send you on sure. a trip. Yeah, that's a huge one, but I didn't want to do something like that because you can go to Disney World anytime. How do they... So you were a Make-A-Wish kid. Mm-hmm. How do you become that? You have to have a, a chronic or terminal disease. Okay. And I remember when I, when I found out that I was getting a Make-A-Wish, I didn't know about the chronic part. I just thought people with terminal diseases got them, oh, and man. so I thought the Make-A-Wish lady was breaking news to me that I was about to die, and I so was you terrified. Didn't hear anything she said after the fact? I'm with Make-A-Wish. Yeah, because she came into my room when there was no one else in there, and she was like, "Hey, we're from the Make-A-Wish Foundation, and we're here to grant you a wish." And I was oh, like, that, "My doctor is such a coward; he wouldn't tell me." Oh, God. <laughs> and then I found out later that, And no. did you have to decide right then, or did they give you a few days to come up with something? They gave me time, because okay. Kevin James wasn't even my first my first choice. My first choice was Ricky Williams, but that was when he got all potted yeah, up. Yeah, you could have smoked pot Indonesia with Ricky. Or wherever. Oh, man. What were yeah, your top five? That. Like, did you uh, have... Who was number three if Kevin James was two? I mean, let's be honest. I knew for a fact Kevin James was going to meet me. That guy didn't have a whole lot going on as far as celeb interviews at that time. So I felt pretty confident Kevin James was going to be locked down. I didn't think he was going to pull a Heisman who, on me. Who calls them and says, hey, throw... I want to put Justin's name in the bin. Your mom? Uh, no, probably, like, social workers at the hospital, um, because that's where they met me, was, like, pick? in a hospital room. They, I don't know if they have some registry they get of people with, like, you know, new cancer patients, and they're like, ooh, yeah, we got a new list here. Like, telemarketers. So, um, so they, they tried reaching out to Ricky Williams, but he's like, nah, no sick kids. Yeah, because he's, I mean, even at that time, he was really awkward and wasn't really sociable and had like social anxiety and 
I was I was worried even if he would meet me that he wouldn't be into talking to me or anything. So it was kind of a mutual split between me and Ricky Williams. So when I don't see him on this common search Pornhub thing. No. How did the Robin Williams thing go down? Was that just random? Who? The Robin Williams deal. He died. Are are you asking about how he died? Justin. Justin got a call from Robin Williams. Oh, okay. You did? I did. How do I not know that? That was a different service called Phone a Friend. And, like, if you're a sick child, they'll just try to hook you up with anything. And, yeah, this was, again, them pitching me, hey, do you want to talk to Robin Williams? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Uh, And he called me and just did Robin Williams characters and bits and voices for 20 minutes and then at the end of it he was like oh I play video games uh yeah and he sent me like a bunch of video games it was pretty sweet god there's no way they allowed you to record that or anything is there no and I don't think he was working that blue he was you know just doing Jafar and all that kind of stuff but yeah I I remember laughing the whole time <laughs> um but it was, yeah, I mean, it was literally, and it's not like they prepared me. They literally said, hey, do you want to talk to Robin Williams? Sure. And he called me like three minutes later. So I didn't really have a whole lot of time to research and get questions gathered. Like, were you a particular, stand up. a particularly big fan? or No, that's what was kind of weird about it, is I didn't, like, ask for Robin Williams. I mean, I I certainly liked him, but... He wasn't even in my top 50 of people I would have called. Um, and they kind of just, yeah, pitched that to me. And then the one girl, I think, really kind of fleeced him, the girl that set it up, because she was like, hey, he's going to ask you if you like video games. Make sure you say yes, because then he'll send you a bunch. <laughs> I said, okay. I'm pretty sure you just cost Robin Williams $500 in video games, but okay. Uh, and so then, yeah, she's like, okay, he'll be calling you any minute. And then he called me and just... Did his stand-up set. Damn, that's really weird. How old were you at the time? You were 16, uh, 17? Four, 14, 14 15. Yeah. Man. And just... So it's just you know, like, I know he's famous, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, like I, I, I would have probably been more into it now. And what was the story when you were at the hospital and I there was a spare Maverick or cowboy or somebody was there and then they asked you if you wanted to meet him and you're just nah i'm good or somebody on the well, stars it might have been like it was mike, mike madonna mike madonna oh, man the most popular american-born hockey player of all time and justin's just nah i don't really like hockey <laughs> i don't really yeah. know who that guy is i didn't know who he was just by looking at him like they offered me the chance to go in there because he was in a playroom or something and I said, and they said, do you want to go meet this guy? I was like, nah, I'm okay. Now I'll just uh, watch yeah, Fast and Furious yeah. on USA. <laughs> I'll watch, yeah, I'll watch the, the Weather Channel again in the hospital. Uh, no, they like t- they took me by, and I was like, I don't, I don't know who that is. And I kept going. And I could tell this guy that whoever this was that I didn't know at the time was kind of beaten because it was all little kids. And I was the only one who was somewhat of a teenager. And then I got back to my room. And my nurse came back and was like, you didn't want to meet Mike Madonna? And it really set in right there that, again, I didn't know much about him, but I knew I should meet Mike Madonna, but it was too late. 
Yeah, and all those little kids don't know. Right. They wouldn't have cared. I was more interested in meeting Tony Delk and Marquise Daniels than I'd fake <laughs> having sickle cell to do so. Oh, man. That was more my bag. What's, what's you uh, you guys want to talk some Black Mirror next? Yeah, we'll man. Stick around for one more. Definitely. Can we do that? All right. Up next, more Dan McDowell, and we talk Black Mirror here on Work in Progress on the Ticket. Good morning. It is Work in Progress. It's Mino. It's Monty. We got Dan McDowell with us this morning, hanging out, having some fun, talking Make-A-Wish. So much fun. So much fun. <laughs> We're at like 11 right now of fun. Social distance fun. I heard you talk fun. about that uh, SNL. Yeah. Yeah, did you watch that last night? Yeah, it was a... Uh good effort right yeah and that's that's kind of how i just consider snl right now i i I feel like it's you know you might get one sketch a night that is internet funny that you might watch again sometime but i haven't watched much this year but i i did think the zoom skit was funny where they were probably their best thing that was good i thought i thought Uh, weekend carol baskin reference thing was funny yeah that was really good I thought Tom the, Hanks the learning, saying "Hello, cool cats and kittens" was was kind of funny. Yeah. But the, overall, it's kind of like there's you got to work on this a little bit. You're figuring out this new medium type thing. I thought I got a little. It sounds like a fan in the background. Is that, uh, it's, Justin? Oh, there we go. Now it's gone. I don't know what it was. I don't know if Justin's with us anymore. No, Justin, I'm here. That was okay. probably my my AC unit. Getting a little toasty in here. I thought I turned it off. I thought uh, Weekend Update was really awkward with the laughter, and I don't know if Dude. that was cast members in the background laughing. And after about three or four minutes, I kind of got numb to it, so I don't know if they kept 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 it going. Yeah, but some of their jokes camp. were, or if it was people at Michael Che's house, or yeah, that was just bad. Yeah, it was. You, you know, it was. Something to watch, so I watched it. But I'm yeah, surprised it was, Michael it was Che got someone to laugh. So that's interesting. Not a Michael Che fan. <laughs> I don't think he. Yeah, I think they were paid laughers. Yeah, I don't. Oh, okay. I don't think he's very funny either. Um, it's kind of like the NBA stuff, you know, the the horse or the even the the two K games they're playing. It's like they're trying to figure something out. I don't think they're hitting it yet. So we just gotta give them time. We'll oh time. yeah, I, guess, I think they'll have time. At least they're, but it is effort. You know, you're trying to give us something that is kind of familiar. And Tom Hanks was cool and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I saw a lot of people when they tweeted out that they were going to do this, really taken aback and like, oh my god, this is going to be horrible. Why would Wargel do this? Whatever. And my my thought on this, whenever I see anyone complaining about something like this, is you don't have to watch it. It's not going to be forced into your eyeballs. It's like when people you complain can just, about dry dock. Yeah, you can just not tune in. I mean, but, it's, but you should it's tune pretty in. Simple. Tune in dry, to dry dock. Dry it's dock awesome. has a whole new meeting nowadays. <laughs> oh wow! Twenty. Indeed, it does. I've heard more about docking over the last two weeks than probably the first thirty years of my life. And I'm into it. That is probably the... <laughs> I'm right with you. <laughs> like, I don't know why, but uh, totally on board with this new turn we've taken. Love it. And you have to ask yourself, does anybody actually do that? And if you have to ask yourself, then yes, people have done it. 
Was that on this list here? People have done I don't it. See it on this Pornhub. It, yeah, I was going to say it's like the it's like the the Pornhub list. If you have to ask, does anybody watch it? Someone, someone's so out there afraid. watching it. I do not want to confirm that it's ever done because that would mean I'd have to look at it. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those like, things I'm where I don't want to see it. I believe it. I believe it happens. I don't have to see. Like it, I could believe. I believe someone could put their forearm up there. I just don't. <laughs> oh my god! Like Vince Carter. I just don't want to ever know about <laughs> Vince Carter hanging on the rim, <laughs> so to speak. The the basketball, the basketball. <laughs> oh, the visual in my head. But yeah, speaking oh, of goodness, speaking of docking, you guys gave me a couple Black Mirror episodes to oh, watch. Oh, look at this segue. Yeah, segue we, into we uh, docked them to you, radio guy. So I, we did a. Back when me and Justin used to do a podcast a few years ago, Dan gave us some uh, some Twilight Zone episodes to watch because I've, I've never watched the Twilight Zone before, Justin, I don't think you had either, so he gave us a few of the most popular ones and we watched it and we did a podcast about it. And Justin, I know you're a big P1 of Black Mirror. I've definitely heard a lot about it. I know it's kind of like a new version of Twilight Zone, but I never got into it, so you guys gave me a couple episodes and the first one I watched was the Striking Vipers episode. I think that was well, that's the, the first episode of the newest yeah. season that they put out last year. And I went into it not knowing anything about it. And I think it was after... Okay, so to set it up, it's I guess it kind of takes place in the future or in an alternate universe. And this guy gets his best buddy a VR game to where you... Tr- transform into the game and you become the two characters that fight kind of like a street fighter type game and when you're in the game you inherit all the physical feeling you're basically the character in the game you leave your body and you're in the game and then the two characters I guess that's the big twist in this they fall in love in the game in a sexual sense, or at and least also in lust. a yeah, yeah. I thought you were about to say a different f word there. Well, no, <laughs> I think important is that one of the characters is a female. Right? Yes, I, I, yes. Th- okay, so it's two dudes. They're like college buddies who now reconnect in their thirties or something. Yes, but they they go in play this video game. One is playing his avatar is a hot chick, and one is a dude, and they fight. You know. So that's that's the twist here. So once you're you're not with the dude, you're with this hot chick. And I'm feeling this hot chick under me, right? If I'm we start fighting but then you know how fights get, all of a sudden you yeah. start <laughs> uh, making out yeah. and uh, then but, one thing leads to another. Then you're Rugio Doors brother. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> but but if you're in so you're in a video game and you're you know it's basically VR. It's it's uh, the the future of, you know, I guess porn or something, right? You're with a some kind of a thing in a computer where you fee- have all the feelings though, and 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 it's great. You have sex with her, but it happens to be your buddy inside of her controlling yeah. her actions, and so your buddy is feeling, you know, you on him and stuff. So you could argue, or the thought is, are you gay? If you're the guy avatar having sex with the woman, I think if you're the if you're 
if you're playing as the woman, you you certainly would say you're kind of gay, right? Mm. Sometimes you play as a woman avatar, though, because it's better to look at that for a 60-hour game. Okay, that's well, one thing, Trey, but we're now talking you are about having sex you're, with you're you're sex. Yes. the avatar. And, and that was the most confusing part of this to me. <laughs> Trey was... wanted to defend the whole... <laughs> Trey was talking about playing video games. Game. Sex with fun. one guy, yes. I'm gay. Yeah. 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 Come on now. Come on, come I, on. I, that's what I seriously thought he was getting at here. Like, yeah, sometimes you got to experiment. Just one guy. But the, the, guy, that, that, the guy that transforms an, into the guy that's having sex with the girl, he's married... He has a couple kids, and it kind of seems like, you know, he's in his late 30s. They might be kind of getting tired of each other. Well, and he's they doing it. That this is the best sex they yes, ever have. And like, he they can't and, have sex like that outside and, the game. Yeah, and he's doing this as kind of an escape from that and to have sex with an attractive female. And the other guy, he's a single guy in his 30s. When I first, after the, that first scene of them getting together, I took this as, okay, he's finally finding out his identity and that he's attracted to men maybe like he's actually gay but he just never realized it until he played this game but afterwards it's it it, it seems like they get more attached at an emotional level to where they only want to do this with each other in the game and then later on at the end of the show they're like okay we want to get out of the game and and meet and try to kiss in person and see if it's like it and they said it they didn't feel the feelings in person whether they were hiding it or not and then they ended up fighting in real life. Did you think when they were fighting in real life they were going to eventually yeah start doing it right there in the rain? Yeah. Like they I did. needed they needed the fighting as foreplay. Right. And that that the fighting part always made me laugh because whenever they would show them go into the game they would always approach each other like, oh, maybe we'll fight, and then immediately just start doing it. <laughs> they would always run up like with a couple of bounce steps, like, okay, maybe we're just going to fight this time. Nope, doing it again. And it was funny the the way they would show them when, like, when you go into the game, you're still holding like this PS4 controller, and you're just kind of vegged out on your couch. And me and Mina were waiting in the 2K tournament yesterday to watch DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker to be laying there like they're in VR. The little thing on their yeah. temple. Or... Yeah, with the little thing on oh, their temple. Gosh. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, that was the. I mean, that was a question they asked themselves. Like, are we are we gay for doing this? It's really like, a they... mind blowing episode, isn't it? It's, and I, I promise it's got to be weird for someone who hasn't watched it to hear what we're talking about right now. <laughs> I honestly thought this one, because this was the first one I watched, I thought this one was honestly just trying to be shocking. Because it there was really no resolve at the end. The, the guy's wife, I guess after he admitted that this is what was up, she thought throughout the show that he was having an affair or something because he was, he was being very distant. And he finally admits that this is what's happening and I guess it was on their anniversary on his birthday she let him play the game again yeah, every, and, and his buddy is still playing it but it I still have questions of what his friend is getting out of this because it appears that either he's not gay or he's still trying to hide it or he's still in, they're still both in love with each other but they there was just no resolve in this to me. Like it doesn't doesn't seem like there was really a point of it. Yeah, I think I think it's supposed to be more from the point of view of the dude with the kids. Yeah, and, and, and wonder, I get that. 
are you, you know, you put yourself into him, and you Whoa. have to ask yourself. So first of all, like it's like if you had a uh, online uh, sex thing going with what you believe to be a woman, right? But what if it turned out to be a dude? But it was all online, just talking stuff. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, if, and so if it made you happy and and you liked it, certainly though, if you knew it was a dude on the other end of those uh, those words, you would then bail. I would guess, right? Yeah. So now here it is, a, a whole fifty levels up. You're feeling it. You're she's really hot. You're you know you're just having virtual sex. Uh, excuse me. Did they know who they were in the game, or was it yeah. just okay? So they knew yeah. what they were doing. Yeah, they joined. They joined. Yeah, they they joined. Like I say, it's like a Street Fighter episode, and they're both in there. Okay, and they're like, "How about we not fight? Let's just do it." Was there a thing before where he actually was against not his friend? Well, the guy play the the main character was the first one to resist. His buddy was the one. The one that was playing the female was the one that made the first move on him in the game. Yeah. And he kind of backed off, but then was like, eh, okay, why not? She's hot. And he yeah. felt weird about it, but he, the, the buddy seemed to never... So it's like, the, could you forget there's a dude it. in there, you know? Did the buddy it's, plan it's this the, from the uh, beginning? Could you have sex with Pamela Anderson if it had Bob's voice? Or, or no, she, I'd, be more, you know, I'd be more taken aback by the hep C, probably. Um... <laughs> I, I still want to know, yeah, did the buddy plan on this? Because the buddy bought him the game and the VR thing. That's kind of what I... It's a bit thirsty. That's, that's what I thought of, yeah. Because yeah, I, I was thinking of, okay, what are they trying to get at? And maybe it's they're trying to go another level into manipulation or something because his buddy was the one that got him the game. And then he gets whatever type of feeling, sexual, emotional type feelings invested in his buddy to where maybe he was in love with him the whole time and he was trying to take him away from his family at the time saying okay I don't I don't think you guys are happy I want to be with you and he's using this game as a way of okay let's let's get you addicted to this so you can realize that you're in love with me so yeah I think that I I think he had that plan the whole time cuz and he was also the one that made the first move on him as well. Yeah. I think it's it's a mind f. It is. Here. And I'm saying it's just all, all shock value but here we all are No, it made thinking me really sick. deep about it. And I'm looking at the there was only 3 episodes this particular season, right? Pretty yeah. small. Yeah, it's five seasons, but there's only like three episodes in each one. And I'm looking at that; it's the best episode this season. Although I like the Miley Cyrus one too. I want to know what you thought of the other one. Right. I had you watch, David. So I had him watch White Bear, Mino or yeah. um, Dan. Do you remember that one? That's the one where is that John Hamm? the girl. No, that's White Christmas. White Bear is the one where the girl wakes up and she doesn't really know where she is. She feels like she's in some kind of apocalypse, or everyone's filming her. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. She that's finds great. out that she's that's one of the yeah that she ends up being that she was like a murderer of a child and they're reliving that her, day her day after day, right? Yeah, so I like think of that one. Dan? I I love that episode. That was and this that's one I'm definitely gonna have to go back and watch again because after you realize the big twist at the end where you know the whole episode for 55 minutes you're you you think she is 
the good, the only good person in this world, in this universe, like everybody else, it seems like uh, computers and cell phones have turned them into like this zombie type character that they're out to kill everybody else. And then at the end, when you realize that she's actually a child murderer and this is her punishment for it. And she's in a theme park. Yes. And, and you're kind yes. of thinking, do you, you still kind of feel bad for her because... It's kind of a look at cruel and unusual punishment or maybe even solitary confinement in some aspects of how should they be punishing this person. And it's every day she has to go through the same thing. And it's, yeah, like you said, an amusement park where people can go and watch. It's like you can you can squint and believe this. That, that's what Black Mirror is all about. You could say this is kind of plausible. This could happen, you know, if you see you know, the economy down and you want to raise money somehow, but, you know, why not exploit the criminal who's a child killer, right? We could do that yeah, by they, making that a reality show where you're watching this over and over and, and a theme park where this is her punishment and who's going to complain about that, the, the worst criminal there could ever be. Yeah, because it puts you in a really weird moral situation where if you are going to defend her, you're defending someone that burned a five-year-old child alive, and not many people are going to put themselves in that in those shoes. So, yeah, I think people would be. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I don't think that we're necessarily there. But like you said, you know, it, it's not hard to imagine we'd be off too far off from a world where no one's going to defend this this child murderer. So let's go ahead and do it. I mean, I, I that whole episode, I was just I was really enthralled, and then yeah, when I saw the twist at the end. I literally was just thinking about that for like the next week. Just what would I do in that world? Would I go? And they also would throw the wrench in to where they erase all of her memory. So she doesn't remember the crime. She doesn't remember anything about herself. So at least if she, she doesn't think she's a bad person. Right. So, so she's kind of being punished, but for, she doesn't know what she's being yeah. punished for. She gets the reveal every day, right? Yeah. And then they I would wipe say her mind at night, yeah. I would think the two we just mentioned are two of the top three, and there's one more that's called, I don't know what it's called, but the one with the bees, I think, is the other in my top three Black Mirrors of all time, if you were going to watch. Do you know what that is, uh, Justin? I forget the name of it, but yeah, there's one where, yeah, they have, like, mechanical bees or something. Is it called I don't know what we're talking Hated about. in the Nation? Yeah, that sounds yeah. right. It's got the lady yeah, from Boardwalk Empire about, in it. Yeah, because it's about pretty much our culture on, you know, trolling or, you know, online judging, the cancel culture type thing. Yeah, there's there's so many good episodes of this, especially like the first three seasons where it was really strong that people should check out. The other one that I really like is San Junipero, where, they you know, there's the thought that when you die, they can upload your consciousness into some computer and you just live in this, like, fake utopia forever. And it's following these two girls who basically are just always partying in the 80s. They're going to just do that until eternity. Yeah. And I you, thought that was super interesting. Because, yeah, that could be a cool, if we could develop that, right? <laughs> yeah. And we don't yeah, have to die. The, the Star Trek type one called USS Callister is also cool. That's really strong, yeah. Not one, not one of the top five, I don't think, but 
Black Mirror is just great overall. How about that? Have you watched the one thing? The thing you have to say for the show, though, is do not ever start with the first one because that's the pig episode. And people will probably bail after the first and it, one. It's not a really good representation for what the whole series is. No, and it's not episodic. Like it's you don't have to. It's an interesting hypothetical thing, but yeah, the pig does turn some people off. Yeah, so start with like season one, episode two, because they're not connected. They all have different actors. They're all in different worlds. So it's really interesting in that way that they all. I mean, even now, like they're getting bigger actors the more the the seasons coming out. Is it or, still know, a British six. show? Because I know like the first it was mainly a British show until it is. Recently. But they have American actors yeah. in it. Like like this, the Striking Vipers one has one of the dudes from the Avengers in it, Anthony so, I mean, Mackie. Yeah, they're getting huge people in them. So that's what's kind of cool too is now seeing that these John big Hamm's actors the are doing one. these. And John Hamm's episode is great. Yeah, I like the Christmas one a lot. Yeah, that's really good. Does he play the fake Larry David? <laughs> no, that would be awesome. Have you seen that episode, Dan, of Curb? No, is that this year? Yeah, this year's John Hamm is like is studying Larry David for a role, and he just starts taking on all of Larry David's mannerisms, and it's hilarious. I got to get back to that. I've strong season. But, it was good very strong comeback. Very good stuff. I don't I want to go. I don't, want, I don't to. want this to end. We have to bail. Justin has and, to uh, play the most vulgar thing ever. Didn't you uh, tease that earlier? It's the most vulgar thing I've ever had stuck in my head. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, there's, thanks, there's boys. I love qualifier you. There. You hang up. Thank you, Dan. Dan's the best. Our typical friend from Texas Motor Speedway, who we get 10 minutes in before he has to go back out and interview Bubba Wallace, we welcome on Donovan Lewis. Donovan. Good morning, work in progress. Yeah. Yes, sir. How are you boys doing? I was going to say this is Donnie's debut on work in progress, but we typically not. only get him when we're at Texas Motor Speedway. That's right, when I'm just warming up that NASCAR <laughs> crowd with yeah. all the jokes that they've always wanted to hear. Yeah, right. of course. So Kyle Larson, what's the deal with him? Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, you think so, that would have had a little different spin this year if, I, if I'm going yeah. I'm going back and forth. So, you guys watch iRacing? <laughs> yeah, that, that'd be great. Just your first question to Kyle Larson. Larson is so. So uh, what we was up with all that? Yeah, what nickname would you give me, Kyle? <laughs> oh, oh we are Texas having Motor Speedway with Mono having a rim shot. I want Mono with a real drum set back there playing a rim. <laughs> he brings real, it just for that. Yeah, a real rim shot every time I say a joke out there. Oh man. Oh man. Yeah, we uh we typically have you on. I remember we've had you on and in draft season before. Do you want to talk draft, or you think you'll have enough this week? <laughs> uh, well, it's about the only thing that's going on, so if you boys want to talk draft, that is fine with no, me. No, no, no. I, I, I'm, I'm totally on your kidding. show. Can we, uh, okay, good. <laughs> I, I, I do good. want to ask Donovan a question uh, involving Norm. Justin, You know, I Don't. think you might know where I'm going. Should I Don't ask him, it, or should David. we just keep it? Yeah, go ahead. Go I ahead. should do it? Okay. Uh, if, if Norm's listening... Already. Okay, I have two... Donovan, you might have noticed this also. Okay. And I hope Norm's not... I hope this doesn't break to him, because I, I like that he keeps doing this, but the top cornerback pro prospect oh, yeah, in this yeah. draft, Jeff Okuda, 
I've noticed he for, Oduka. he's called him Oduka. <laughs> and Every I don't know if time. he's changed it this week, but I really hope he keeps calling him Oduka. And he does it so much that I've I, like I've looked it up of, OK, everybody's called him Okuda. I've I've heard him called Okuda since he was in high school in Grand Prairie. Are we wrong? But no, Norm just calls him Oduka, and I want it to continue, and I want you yeah. to keep, I want you to bring up as many times this week. So the uh, the Ohio State cornerback, uh, okay, your, uh, I will work in your request. Okay, yes. and but I don't want him to he change says it. it with such confidence that I feel that I'm doing things wrong, just like his hundredth yes. e break yes. with Mozart. Don't say Seriously. Okuda. Just keep keep it going. I've never said his name. If you if you've That's noticed, brilliant. I've never That's said brilliant. it because a I feel like I think I may start saying it the wrong way because Norm's saying it the wrong way, and b I, I would question saying, okay, am I right around here? I don't I'm, know. He's he has so much confidence in his voice that I've stayed away from. Him. I really want the Cowboys to take him just because he's an awesome player. But I would love for him to visit with y'all at training camp and Norm to call him Oduka to his face <laughs> and just see what he says if he corrects him. That'd be great. Because oh, we've had a... Uh, He's not going to correct Norm. Well, we've had Cowboy Corners correct people on their names before. Remember when, when Cheeto got kind of upset at people not being able to pronounce Chidobie Awuzie? He would say, y'all can say Daenerys Targaryen, but you can't say Chidobe Awuzie. <laughs> so maybe, yeah, if he called him Oduka to his face on the tennis courts, he Oduka. might finally get it, which would be great. What if he just squares up with Norm? Am I going to, what a, What role am I going to take? Am I going uh, to I think he'd be Norm ring announcer. Yeah. Beat him up, or am I going to say, hey, man, yeah, Norm, what are you calling him that for? And then I turn on Norm <laughs> at that particular moment. One of the greatest heel turns since just, Hulk Hogan in the NWO. Dap up Jeff Akuda, like, yeah, I got you, bro. <laughs> I mean, you have mastered the art of just kind of letting the Norm fight just grow working That's with true. him on the post game show so if if you do do see them start to get physical unless it norm's health unless it's he is going <laughs> right. to get his ass kicked you might have to step right. in but you definitely like know what you you're doing know. I like to thank you for acknowledging my role in all the Norm fights. Oh, I mean, it's, of it's being great. one of the true great broadcasters to just let it go and not get in the way. It's, yeah, that's what all that. the greats do. Yeah, right. They acknowledge what's happening in front of them. They can see what's happening, and they need to take that exact road to let greatness happen. And I feel like I'm the Scotty Pippet of uh, the whole Michael <laughs> Jordan of uh, collar-based fights with Norm. Oh, yeah, you're... You're Pat Summerall. You you just let the action play out. <laughs> right, you know, right. Just, hey, John Madden, you can have all that you want. I'm still here, and I'm still watching greatness right in front of me. <laughs> Boy, now I'm picturing... So Norm is already a Texas Radio Hall of Famer, but I think what would really cement him as a legend is if he did have Jeff Okuda on, and they get into like a Jim Rome... Chris Everett situation. <laughs> and call me Oduka one more time. One more time. Calls one me more Oduka, time. And Norm yeah. goes, Oduka. And then <laughs> Jeff just flies across the table. <laughs> Jumps Norm. God, that would be great. Oh, oh, goodness. That would be so awesome. We got to set, we got to talk to Steven about getting Jeff Okuda here just to set this all up. Yeah, just tell the Cowboys to move up like 14 <laughs> <Right>. spots. <laughs> yeah, Take, you, you know, spend four? like four just, first rounds. Yeah. yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's worth it. It's all for us. It's all for comedy. <laughs> uh, speaking of comedy, 
the the big reason I wanted to get Donnie on was because of something I heard last week on uh, on the invasion, which was you ranking the white sitcoms. Mm-hmm. And when I heard that, I figured that my show was going to be like every other time white sitcoms are discussed, and it might get an honorable mention, but not get a ton of praise. And then I hear your number one, which was the King of Queens. Oh yeah, man! I love that damn show. I just about melted. I loved it. I loved hearing that. And I want to know how many episodes do you think you've seen of the King of Queens? Man, I have. I have watched a ton. I'm not saying I've watched every single one of them, like some other sitcoms that I know I've seen every episode of. Yeah, but it was a routine before I went to bed to watch King of Queens. I think it was Nickelodeon that may have reran it a ton. Mm-hmm. And that was my going to sleep uh, ritual was watching King of Queens. And then it would take me a long time to go to sleep because I was laughing so damn hard at the dang sitcom. So I started trying to find it uh, during the daytime and watch it and watch as many as I can. So I don't know how many seasons it lasted, but I have watched the majority of them because I, I really, really enjoy it. And I like it because I think that that show is really funny. People always try to get me to defend movie Kevin James. I'm like, look, 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 look. I didn't meet movie Kevin James. I didn't meet Paul Blart. I met Doug Heffernan. Right. Doug Heffernan is a great character. And I always liked him because he made the goal of getting a super hot out of your league wife as a fat guy seem attainable. Okay. Which, which is very... Uh, I think kind of creator of a show thing that you can do, like how Larry David gave himself a really hot wife and curb your enthusiasm. It's amazing how all of these like five out of ten comedians book hot wives as their sitcom wife. And that was always a big draw to me, too, was that Leah Remini was a freaking smoke show. Um, but, yeah, I that show to me, I always would laugh at least five or six times. I mean... Jerry Stiller is great. He's the best. He's one of the best supporting <laughs> actors in a comedy series you'll ever see. Now, I will admit that Carrie Heffernan almost ruined the thing for me because she treated him so poorly. And yes, she was hot, but you didn't have to do my man like that. He he provided comedy gold all over the place, and she had to act like that. But it wasn't enough to take it from the number one spot. He's great. Arthur Spooner's great. Even the best friend Deacon, he's Deacon's funny. Great. Yeah, the relationship with the roommates that uh, seemed quite, quite... Uh, a, a, a gay relationship, but they tried to fight so hard not to uh, make it seem that way. Just everyone, and even uh, I remember uh, what's the guy from Breaking Bad, Brian Cranston. His yeah, his episode was really funny, right? With the hot tub and Doug really, really <laughs> wanting to get in that hot tub. That's one of my favorites. Uh, when he took a picture of his junk at the wedding, that's one of my favorite yep, episodes. That was a good one. Yeah, I do. He had a that, top hat on there. <laughs> yes, and they're, they're looking through. I didn't, and I didn't know that was a thing that everyone would get together and look through all the pictures that everyone took from the wedding. That seems like almost something that a ton of dudes would do if they're bored. Go and try to find funny things, uh, pictures to take at right. a wedding, and it's. He found that his junk was quite funny, and it was awesome. (laughs) What other shows did you have on your top five? It was uh, King of Queens was one. I had Cheers. I had Golden Girls. Okay. I had, um, 
Oh, what were the other two? God dog it. My list is in the front somewhere. But the one I didn't like, because we always do one bottom, was Friends. And I just never yeah. understood the show. Never watched it. I think I watched one episode and it wasn't good. And then uh, Matt Birmingham's fiance, who is a Friends connoisseur, gave me two episodes to watch to change my mind. And one was awful. And the other one had a little bit. Not saying I'm going to watch anymore, but... Uh, Oh, that seventy show is on oh, there also. A good one too. I love that because one. Yeah, I, I find if I'm watching a sitcom before going to bed, it's going to automatically vault into some of my favorites because that's you know it it sends me to bed by. And that seventy show and King of Queens were two of the top white sitcoms on the list that I would watch going to bed every single night. I think a good so sitcom has to have, I, and I haven't watched too much of King of Queens. Like it's. And I'm saying this is a compliment, Justin, mm-hmm. but I consider it a hotel room show to where if I'm if I'm in a hotel and I turn the TV on, it's usually King of TBS. Queens. Yeah, it's TBS or Superstation, if that's still around anymore, but it's it was always King of Queens years. or Everybody Loves Raymond were <laughs> yeah, the two shows I, I would always watch in hotel rooms. And they're funny. What's funny about King of Queens is that actually started, like, Doug Heffernan's character started on Everybody Loves Raymond. He was a delivery guy for Ray. Okay. And then he kind of got his own spinoff, which turned into the King of Queens. And there are a few episodes where Ray comes back onto the King of Queens. Right, right. And he plays the same character. He's the writer. He has the same wife. Which that's kind of cool to see the the, the the big MCU between everybody loves Raymond and King of Queens. Um, so where would these rank? I guess if you had to combine all of your sitcom rankings, boy, that Ooh. is a good. You know, I was thinking about that because as much as Mino uh, plays the Martin theme every time uh, uh, I'm around, you speak. That is yeah. probably <laughs> my favorite sitcom of all time. You know, there are some stereotypes that are based on the truth, and that one is the truth. Yes, I. I love that program, and I always, every time I watch a sitcom, and it's really weird because usually at the beginning of a sitcom is where you will have some of the best episodes, and the mm-hmm. further along it goes, the you know the weaker it gets, they lose storylines and all that. Yeah. King of Queens is the opposite for me. I think when they first started out, it was okay. They're trying to find their legs a little bit, but the further along it went, the Whoa. better it got. Even towards the end, I thought it was really, really funny and really good. But as far as... All these sitcoms mixed in together. King of Queens may jump into the top five, like toward the bottom. But, you know, Martin and Fresh Prince, those are always the two that I I really, really enjoy. Living Single is a sitcom that I love, and they rerun that a lot uh, here that I will take in episodes all the time. So, What about Wayne Brothers? I thought it was okay. They made... They made the younger Wayne brother Marlon way, way too stinking silly at the very beginning, and yeah. I didn't like it. And so they have some episodes that you uh, that I've enjoyed, but overall as a sitcom, and I love John Witherspoon. I was going to say awesome. Pops was great. Yeah, yeah, he's awesome. But man, the the they made the younger Wayans once they, once they kind of figured out the direction they wanted to put him in, then mm-hmm. that made that show a whole lot better. Let's carry this over. You want to? You want to keep yeah. hanging out, Donnie? All right. I mean, I was going to watch Church, but it's, I'd rather talk to you guys. Watch that. Church. So, yeah, we're more I'll, entertaining. Uh, right. Is that a sitcom? <laughs> Starring T.D. Jakes. 
<laughs> as the Reverend. <laughs> All right, more with Donnie Dew next. Good morning. It's work in progress. It's Mino. I'm in studio. Justin Montemayor is in Parts Unknown, and we have Donovan Lewis joining us this morning, having some fun here. And I kind of wanted to ask Donnie about this, since uh, since we are having fun. And this wasn't nominated for the e-break. And, and Donovan's laughing, so he knows where I'm going with this. I know exactly where you're going. I think this might be the first time it's been replayed. I don't know if you guys replayed it uh, 10 to noon on Friday. But I'm kind of on Donnie's side here because... This is someone I wasn't aware of either, and I and I'd assume that you weren't too familiar with the guy's Never heard of name Zero. that we're, that Saroy played Fortnite with. But uh, let's just play the audio, and then we can talk about it because okay. I think this is greatness. <laughs> I want to hear about your night last night, Mike, because you sat down and played Call of Duty with Jalen Brunson, Stephen Johns. And the number one Call of Duty player in the whole entire world, Kimchi. What? And I did tune in. What the in, hell? Crim did six. Did I say something? <laughs> oh, what was that? I was Do I need to dump that? Do you need to no, dump that? It's, it's fine. It's just horribly wrong. <laughs> Where did I get that from? Like, I don't even mind you getting it wrong, but you are confident with... <laughs> well, you were. You're just Kimchi. That's right. <laughs> That's not his name. God, I hope he's listening. I'm oh, sorry, Crim Six. Crim Six. That's what I said. Yeah, no, well, not really. Kimchi is a kind of fried rice. Yeah, yeah it's what delicious. Well, I'm hungry. <laughs> you did. You yeah. said it like you meant it. It's like a Korean mix of vegetables, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, like last night, you oh. sat down with kimchi. I did not. I, okay, maybe <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> kimchi was Kamala's manager, also. Okay, that was it. the snack before you played Call yeah. of Duty. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What's his name again? Crim Six is his name. I'm sorry, right. Crim Six. <laughs> <laughs> it does look delicious. I just Googled it. Yeah. <laughs> Good. As a matter of awesome. fact, that's what we thought about ordering on Friday night when we went to get some takeout food. How did I think about it? <laughs> so, I think you still want some. Yeah, never got that kimchi. <laughs> oh, man. Wait, wow. Wait a minute. See, Donovan, that would have been your perfect opportunity to say, Norm, you've been saying Oduka for six weeks. Don't get on to me for this. Turn around on him. That's right. right. Man, I, at first, I thought I said something bad. I, that's why I was like, hey, man, do we need to dump that? Because I just didn't know what came out of my mouth. I had no idea. <laughs> In That's the a great moment. feeling as a broadcaster. <laughs> I know. What the hell just came out of my mouth? <laughs> <laughs> and if Saroy, was that? If he, wasn't, if he wouldn't have been sitting in studio, no one would have noticed. No. I don't think anyone Nobody, would have no jumped one. on me like, oh, okay, his name's Kimchi. Okay. Maybe that's a, <laughs> yeah, that a sounds like a uh, okay. Call of Duty player. Yeah, Kim Chi. <laughs> and before you played that audio, if you would have asked me, Donovan, what is the guy's name? I wouldn't have been able to tell you. I don't know why I can't wrap my head around Crim Six. I don't know. 
But that so is you just went with, me to with say. kimchi as a placeholder, like George does hot dogs. <laughs> You're like, oh, I'll just go with these fermented vegetables. <laughs> kimchi. Well, maybe that is my hot dog now. Everything I don't know is going to be kimchi. <laughs> and, it's, and it's not racist because I Google Crim yeah, Six. And I, he I was a, worried about that too. He's a white dude. Crim Six. But if he was. Make sure he wasn't from non white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably so. Hey, breaking news. I don't know if you guys oh. want me to get my Delcas on, but it okay. is now hailing in Duncanville. Oh. Hail in Duncanville, Texas. Hell no. Radio 1310, the Hell. Breaking news. Now, yeah, I would. Now. I don't know what it's like here at the station because we don't have windows. That's true. Man, it is raining like ass outside. That's my other Delcas. You think it's you think the weather? I don't think he's ever said it's raining like ass. <laughs> and does that well, mean a lot should. of rain or not much rain? Yeah, no, no. It's according to where you're the area that we're in. Okay, it's like because hot as it's balls, like, like ass and right. If or it's it can be like cold ass as in Duncanville. So ass yeah, is regional. Be a, yes, 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 very much we so. Know. And I need to go to uh, to school to become a weatherman so I can squarely say it's raining like ass outside. <laughs> That's all you got. That's all That's you. All I would That's do the only time. weather updates you offer is when it's raining. Yeah, it has it's to my be. It's raining like a rain. Yeah. <laughs> Right, <laughs> good kimchi weather. <laughs> oh, I just love it whenever like someone else on y'all's show has an e break because Norm is so ready to pile on. It's like whenever Rick Arnett has an e break and Craig's just ready to jump on him. Right, Norm right. is so ready to not be the butt of the joke, and he and that, whenever that wasn't even said that wasn't even nominated, and Norm actually won. Because he wanted to do some really, really weird things to a macaroon. Yeah, I still don't understand exactly how that logistically would work. I mean, macaroons are pretty small. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how you put one in, maybe on it. Uh, well, maybe you have a few together. You have yourself a threesome of macaroons, and maybe that'll work. I don't know. Yeah, you just tie, make a human centipede out of macaroons. <laughs> Okay, now I know what that means. So Roy taught <laughs> yes. me what that meant. And now I'm very disturbed that I know. Some things you don't need to know what the hell they mean. Or a Richard Gere situation. <laughs> yeah. I was happy for the first 48 years of my life not knowing what the hell the human centipede was. But now I really got tickled whenever I heard you look that up. And you just lose it. You start busting out laughing. Like, oh I think God. it was you entertaining the idea of not telling Norm what it's about. Out and just making him watch it. Uh, but yes, yeah, Sorrow wanted to do that, like one of the oh, movies. God. Yeah, no, no, I mean, won an Oscar for real. And then he watches <laughs> like three minutes of it and he passes out. Oh, there's no way he'd be able to handle that, right? He would bail on it. He wouldn't I, finish it for the show. I wouldn't be able to handle it. So, yeah, I know that Norm wouldn't be able to do it. Or, oh, would, you know, he invite Mary and they'd watch it and, you know, have a little wine. Uh, you never know. You never know how things make people react. Hey, that's gross. I'm sorry. <laughs> they can't finish oh. it. They got to get to the bedroom too quickly. No, this, this hits too close to home. You be the A, I'll be the B. This is... It's so gross. What are you doing, Justin? I don't know, man. When I'm at, when I do broadcasting from home, I play by different rules, I guess. I know it's a whole different vibe. Yeah, he's playing with nunchucks over there. I don't know if you heard our yeah. earlier segment, but he found nunchucks. <laughs> which I've learned they're called nunchucks and not numchucks. Numchucks, yeah. You thought there was an M in nunchucks? Well, yeah, just because as a kid, 
I thought they were nunchucks, and I haven't I said two M's. I haven't really talked about nunchucks in I don't know twenty plus years. <laughs> so yeah, they're they're nunchucks. I learned that when I'm thirty one years old. That's awesome. something I learned today. About that. Something else I wanted to talk to you about, Donnie. I went over some new music I heard at nine thirty, and it wasn't new to <laughs> the world. It was just new to me. Okay. But I'm kind of curious because you and I have done the uh, the '90s hip hop show before. How much new music do you think you're taking in? As far as, I mean, I guess it could be any genre, but I guess specifically kind of rap and hip hop. Like, what are new artists, new albums, new songs that you've listened to over the last five, ten years? It is not a lot. I am That's what I really so stuck in my old school ways that it's almost. Every now and then when I get in the car with my wife and she'll have maybe uh, uh, uh XM radio station on and it plays some new songs and I'll go, oh, okay, who is that or what is that? So my wife, my wife uh, is my she's, wife. The, uh, she's the one who will inform me about new music or new artists. I am not going out searching for it on my own. I am so happy and content to listen to my old school R&B and old school hip hop and old school rap. But every now and then I'll hear a song that I, okay, what was that? And then maybe take it in. But if you give me a quiz on new artists or new songs, I would fail miserably. So, I mean, would you say your cutoff is 90s, early 2000s? Uh, yes, that's probably the legit cutoff of people that I would recognize and artists and songs that I would know. Like, you can throw maybe a new artist out there that I've heard of or I've seen and maybe enjoy one song, but that's about it. I can't remember the last time I've sat down and said, all right, I'm going to have this artist. He has a new album. I'm going to listen to it the whole way through. That's probably been 20 years or so. I think that's very common. I think at about the age of 30 is when you stop looking for new music. And like I've noticed that with me. I think, Justin, you're kind of the same way. But I think a lot of it is, by that point, most of the musicians you hear on the radio, anyone that's new that you haven't heard of before is a lot younger than you and it sounds different and you probably just don't like change you're or you're not accepting the change that much in music so you'll you'll listen to things that were you liked in your impressionable years like when you were a teenager when you were in college and maybe you know you listen to that older type of music because it brings back fond memories it makes you think of what you were doing and you know, when you were 19, 20 years old. And then when you hear and something it, when you're 35, it's like, oh, okay, right. what, is, what is this crap? I think it's kind of tough to sift through some things because your ear probably stays the same. I don't know how much your ear grows the older you get. So you know what you like and you like what you like and you're going to stick with it. So it's kind of hard to sift through all the things you know you don't like to try to find that little piece of gold that you do from some of the artists that you haven't heard of. So I will gladly go to the backspin. I will gladly go to the old school R&B stations because I know I'm going to get something I like instead of guessing about the songs that, oh, I might, oh no, I don't like that. Oh, I may like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm too old for all that. Just give me what I like. What's so what problem? do you think about like these these older artists that are putting out newer albums? Like... I know Gangstar put out an album within the last year, and A Tribe Called Quest has put out an album within the last couple of years. Are you listening to those? Uh, well, I didn't even know that they had new albums out, so that answer is no, I'm not. If I would discover that, then of course, yeah, I would 
jump on it because those are guys that I know and you want to see if they've uh, changed musically or they kind of putting out the same things as before that you liked and you'd enjoy just, you know, some kind of new way. So I am so out of the loop of saying, okay, this guy has a new album. They're putting this out. So let me go check it out. I, I don't even know where to begin to look for that. I'd need to hear it from my buddy, Justin, and then I'd go search it. <laughs> Yeah, Justin's really into Tracy Chapman now. That was what he <laughs> no, said. No, I'm He's... not. I like that one song. Fast Car. Have you heard that, Donnie? Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They played that a million times when it first came out on all any single radio station. doesn't matter the format. They would play Tracy Chapman's Fast Car. And this is the first time you've heard it? You hadn't, you hadn't heard it before? Yeah, I thought I discovered some hidden gem. <laughs> I was like, man, y- y'all ever heard this song before? Like, I know I've got something you've never heard. This is a <laughs> yeah. really deep cut from uh, way back in the day. <laughs> and then like two notes in, I'm just, man, this song, really? <laughs> yeah, that's Tracy Chapman. That's yeah. Fast Car, man. What are yeah, you talking was... about? Yeah, I didn't it's know. It's so old that they parodied that on In Living Color. That's how old that song is. <laughs> oh, bro. really? Yeah. Oh, I need to check that out. How do you parody that song? Uh, I think they had the Way and Sister as Tracy Chapman, and they, you know, hey, how do we parody some of these dumb songs that we do? It's the same thing. They just, okay. they just did the same thing that we would do to a song. We need to have a Justin parody to it. You can do a, you can do like a COVID nineteen parody to Fast Car. I like it. I put my mask on. Oh, you know, there I you think, go. well, I don't know why you're having me do it. You sound like you already have I just, it written. I just got the hook. I'm the, I'm the hook man. I'm like Drake, okay? <laughs> that's right. You go to minor for hooks, yeah. but you have to do the rest yeah, of the that's work. It, that's and right. he'll just take like 40% exactly. of, the, uh, of the, uh, the money that you make from it. I don't make no money. All right, Donnie. Well, we got we to gotta hit a break. Oh, you know man. how it is. Ads, bosses. Stuff driving your throat. Stuff. Yeah, I Fast get it. Cars. I get it. Well, well, I appreciate you boys having me on, man. Anytime. Let's do this again. Hell yeah, man. Thank you, Donnie. We love you. There's the great Donovan Lewis. All right, Off coming up next. Now. We're going to watch church. Yeah, go watch church, put my suit on, and when the offering <laughs> plate is passed around, I'll, I'll log off. Are they going to have a laugh track? <laughs> yeah, they'll have a friend's laugh track out there. <laughs> oh, God, that'd be uh, great. Uh, All right, boys. Thank love you, Daddy. We visit with Superbad Radio's Jake Kemp. Jake. Where's my note, String? Yeah, he, uh... Isn't he on this show? He normally is, but what he happened? and Wallace Long-term are eating McNuggets parking. in the sky. He's in long-term parking. Go- he went to go visit grandma in the country. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, one, yeah, we're we're praying for him. One way ticket out of here. Swimming with the fishes. So how are you holding up after three days of drafting? Uh dude, I mean, it is a grind. You know, it's fun and I don't want to complain too much right now because, you know, these are uncertain, unparalleled and unprecedented times, Monty. Indeed. And I'm just happy to have a job, but um Dude, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know that I've ever been awake more and probably just words per day over three days. I mean, yesterday, Donovan warned me, but by about 2, a, uh, 2 p.m., I'm like, dude, we are in the middle of the fourth round. <laughs> and it's <laughs> it's a lot of people you probably don't hours. know, right? Like people in the later rounds that, I mean, how are you? really knowing who a lot of those people are 
pass, yeah, pass, pick 150 or whatever. Yeah, pass round four. I'm pretty much just uh, trying to do the triangulate the three or four draft guides that I kind of trust. Um, the PFF one is great because it uses a lot of, uh, you know, numbers that maybe the, typically your R-lads or even Brugler don't use. But past, past, like, you know, the fourth round, I mean, it's tough to even, for the most part, find the 10-minute, 15-minute cut-up on a guy. So uh, from there, you're really just like, how does this fit positionally? And, and, and then maybe if they played, you know, at, at a big-time school, you've heard of them, but that's about it. Like Roger Goodell switching things up for his, uh, he was round one, he was in a suit and tie and standing up, and then by the later rounds he was laid, laid back lounging in a leather chair. I see that you made a switch throughout your broadcasting and at some point moved to the what looks to be a nice walk-in closet? Yeah, and you guys aren't getting that treatment right now. You're going to have to deal with the room noise, but um, <laughs> I have a really solid mic that... TC and I have, you know, bought a bunch of mics over the years for podcasting, and so I thought it was fine. I'd been on with, you know, I've done, uh, we've all been jumping on each other's shows, so I'd, I'd been on with, you know, afternoon show and on the Musers, and nobody ever said anything, but Friday Cat was like, yeah, your mic sounds like trash. Um, and so I'm like, well, I don't really have anywhere else to go other than this. So I moved all of, you know, the clothes to one side, and yeah, just decided to post up from 10 a.m. to 6:30 p.m. in a extremely small closet, and used a coffee table to put my uh, computer on, and then put the mic on the on the ledge there. And it was yeah, it you know, Cliff definitely looked like he was in the parasite house, but I was the guy living um, below <laughs> the parasite house for eight and a half hours yesterday, and I had to get up, you know, in breaks and just walk around. Try to get fresh air because yeah, it was. But it, but the funny thing is, is after we'd been on the air for like ten minutes, Cat was like, "That's it. It sounds much better." And I'm like, "Damn it!" <laughs> doesn't doesn't he know we're in uncertain and unparalleled times? Unprecedented I mean, too. Yeah, you would think that he yeah. would be understanding about the room noise. Hey, look. At the end of the day, all that matters is what you know. It's coming through the speakers. So yeah, I was halfway hoping he would say, you know, no, that sounds terrible too, so I could move back. But like the second I opened my mic on day three, he's like, that's it, perfect, don't move. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I heard you mention this yesterday. I want to know why you mentioned that that the wife opened the door and immediately got met by an unholy stench. Were you just ripping them in there and just hotboxing yourself? Uh, you know, honestly, I would say any male... If you're in a room, tiny, tiny room with no ventilation for eight hours, it's going to smell. I mean, whether it's just your your general body odor or your butt odor, it's going to smell. And I also brought a taco in there. Uh, <laughs> I had a nice brisket <laughs> breakfast taco that I wolfed down in there and then put the <laughs> put the the, the remnants back up under her uh, her high heels so she's got your meat sweat odor yeah. in her high yeah. heels all of the odors she was like you're disgusting love like, you I too know. babe i know yeah that's just something that, that i guess you're having to deal with i remember you talking about all the car farts that were burned into your seat during a shake joint one day, and I've never been able to get that out of my mind. Oh yeah, my car smells and always has smelled like a porta potty. It's, <laughs> it's part of it, man. I will say that. Are it's... you a, are you a clean car guy? Like, is yeah. yours? Yeah, okay. I mean, I'm pretty. That's mostly more of a uh, 
just like an OCD thing, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, I would have friends that would have, you know, you'd get in their car and the passenger side floorboard would just be 50 empty water bottles, rock stars, and dip yeah. cans. And Half I just not. Yeah, I throw everything in my car away immediately. I don't, I'm, I'm, you know, our house is like that too. Like, people, if you came over here, you would think, you know, that I, I'm, we're just uptight, I guess. Like, I don't leave a plate out or something like that. That, that just, that drives me nuts. Well, like you, Jake, I'm one for the on the way home to go have dinner with wife. I'll stop at fast food restaurant and grab a, a dollar burger or a couple of tacos and usually just chuck the evidence in the, the trunk of the car. If that thing yeah. ever gets opened up, I am busted. Yeah, I. what you got to do is you have to pinpoint, you know, some places to dispose of the body on your route home. So, you know, your local gas station near our house, the trash cans are full of my of my fingerprints for sure, which is always a weird move when you pull up uh, to a, a gas pump and you just get out, throw a bunch of stuff in the trash and drive off. You don't just drive up real close to the trash can because you can't get out of your car. You're so lazy. That's what I do. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't do that. Just get real close to that trash can and hunk it out. Trey's just catching oops. Hey, yeah, what happens if you miss? Do you get out and pick him up? I'll get out and pick it up, but <laughs> usually I'm two shots. pretty good. Are Sonic your, has are special your trash wrappers? Yeah, they do. Jay's right. They do have Sonic is a has a nice disposal um, right there for you for your for your fat. You know, I've kind of tried to stop doing that though. Um, you know, I, I guess it's just like when, as you get old, you know, this is just extremely generic. But the the the, the beef and cheddar, it, it it tears my body up in a way that I, even four or five years ago it didn't. So really, I not, I've not put on the Roni nineteen, man. Okay, I think I'm down like five pounds. Better man than me. Oh, nice. A big part of that is, um, you know, I can't eat lunch out. You know, I don't have the, the ability to command an intern oh, yeah. to just go grab whatever. And I get to Dan's house at like 11, so I'm leaving at 10.30 or 10.40, whatever. And you're not picking up lunch on the way there and bringing a, you know, double bacon cheeseburger into Dan's house. Like, that's right. it's the stench, the just general. There's dogs, as you heard on the e-break. <laughs> so, so I have to be kind of careful about what I bring over there. So uh, lunch is a... Uh, Lunch is a healthy zone now. And he always eats healthy, too. I mean, he's always eating salmon and broccoli. I, I totally get not one to bring a double cheeseburger and just eating that in front of him. I feel like the judgment would be would be quite strong. You're exactly right. And he has uh, all five of his um, fish and veggie and rice meals uh, in the fridge, which we now have in the den, uh, nice. for every day. Like, it's, you know, we got a fridge up there. We have He has his little... His little um, hot plate microwave thing so yeah he's he's Dan's 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 pretty fit actually like he kind of it's one of those deals where the first like 20 years people knew of him as a public figure he was kind of a slob and so I think that's just kind of like calcified in people's minds but Dan is Dan lives extremely healthy um probably like as much as anyone at the station outside of like like maybe junior to be honest yeah, pe- you know, really? people always ask me, you know, who's like they are on air, who's different. I always say Dan is way more different than the on-air personality that he presents. Like, I, I mean, not in a bad sense. I think he just kind of plays up stuff because it's funnier on radio, but in real life, he's actually a lot better dude or, or than what he's portraying. 
Especially like, yeah, in that sense, you know, like I think he's a little more athletic than people give him credit for. Not in like a definitely like not running a forty, but like doing athletic things. He's way more than than he would lead on. Definitely, Dan understands and is able to process. I would say better than anyone that we work with that we are doing a show. It doesn't really matter um, what people think of you. It matters what they think of your show. Uh, And that's something that took me a long time to kind of wrap my head around. And I'm probably still in that process. But, you know, Dan is not going to get mad at what anybody emails or tweets him. and, And he's not pretending to not get mad. He literally doesn't give an F about any of it. And uh, I'm not to be, you know, what Jay Moore would call Bob here, but (laughs) I cannot tell you. I respected the dude before, but just being riding with him through this whole deal, you know, we got obviously, again, I'm not going to complain about a promotion, but we got hit with a pretty weird situation 10 shows in. Yeah. Yeah. to a new show and I cannot tell you how highly I think of him as a person, as a co-host, as a professional throughout all this, dude. I mean, he's he is the absolute damn man. Well, I remember when I was when I was uh when I was interning for Bob and Dan and you were running the board, a lot of times you would give me a list of drops to pull and I would notice they were always Bob. And I was like, "Why do you not pull or play Dan drops?" And you said They'd have no impact on him. He's not going to care if we pull something he said out of context. He's just, it's not going to phase him one bit. And ever since then, I've always thought, like, yeah, I don't really hear many Dan drops because he would just blow by them. They wouldn't bother him at all. The Dan drops, <clears throat> the only ones that are funny is when he tries to say the word comfortable, country, or uh, hunt, or if his body makes a weird noise. But right. other than that, you know, it's 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 partially that they wouldn't phase him and also that people wouldn't find them that funny. You know, yeah. and I guess that's related to that, but if it's just not funny to hear Dan say something that he would just say in context. <laughs> like there's no there's no payoff there, there's no punchline because that's you know, what are you gonna do? Like he'll just say it for you. The one thing that did bring him to his knees, it feels like biggest of that I've heard at least, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong here. But this is one of the few Dan drops we hear is the so press box hot when Julie called out Dan within what two or three weeks of being the the a midday ticker host when she pulled that out of her hat and that became a drop and they actually found the original audio because I know I was behind the scenes helping Julie try and find that audio and Jake you helped us kind of get to the archives and pinpoint when it might be that was one of the few times you could actually hear how. I'm not embarrassed, but definitely like, oh no, they found that. <laughs> yeah, and what happened to her? Is she with Mino? Did she go Bora Bora? Uh, did she go to visit Wallace's grandmother too, or have you guys heard from her? Yeah, WeeBay's got a lot of bodies he's got to account for. <laughs> but right, we, we, WeeBay right, burner. <laughs> you're right. I mean, that one was that. I I genuinely think that was like the most embarrassed I've ever seen him, which is why it was such a joy to track it down. <laughs> and and uh. Yeah, her husband had like notes that he sent me of when she was working Rangers games on Fridays. That was a that was a damn Chloe from twenty four level <laughs> research to find that. And I, I man, I should I should find the text because I sent like I was going through. I probably had to go through like twelve hours of bad radio to find that segment and that drop. And when I sent it to her husband Kelly, I'm like, dude. We got him. <laughs> we got. It was worth every penny though because that yeah. was. I could, there's 
there's few times in ticket history where I can remember exactly where I was when something happened. I was driving somewhere in Frisco, and I had to pull the car over when that audio was played because I was just dying laughing. I couldn't even focus on the road. Yeah, and you know that the, the happiest person about all that was definitely Bob. Like, he's like, "Look, finally, we're posting this dude up. Like, I'm not, I'm not having to defend Giannis on this one. Like, somebody else is gonna step over, like Bill Walton in the Last Dance, right? Like, come on, yeah, Get, let someone else take a run at this guy. So press box hot. All <laughs> <laughs> the attitude. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like that, and then maybe the the early um, Dan Lieberman stuff. The, yeah, uh, maybe. Yeah. Again, it just. And I think hearing yourself like you know from more than five years ago makes anyone cringe anyway. Like I'll say five minutes, dude. I, if I fire up the app in the break, I'm gonna drown myself. What I is this idiot listen. talking about? Yeah, doesn't work for me. So are there drops that? you don't love being played? I mean, I know bringing them up may only get them played more, but I'm pretty sure they don't have internet in Bora Bora, so mine I won't hear. Uh, from me? Yeah. Uh, you know, probably any of them, <laughs> to be okay. honest. But, but I definitely know that in the few, in the coming weeks, Dan has like, uh, and surprisingly, we've had a lot of stuff. Um, so all these grand ideas we had at the start of the, the Roni team have been pushed back, but... I mean, you got to remember, dude, occasionally the hard line was popping me on when I was like 18, 19 years old. And I, I can't. That's I, true. I've come very close to deleting it from Dropbox. <laughs> but I, I know Dan has a hard copy, so it would be, you know, useless. But I know that he's going to replay those, <clears throat> excuse me, in the next couple weeks. And every time, every year on Ashton Kutcher's birthday, I know, <laughs> I know it's coming up in Why Today Doesn't Suck. And it is just. Dude, imagine. I mean, that's almost 20 years ago. Yeah. And hearing that is just, it is, as, as the kids would say, it is the absolute cringe. But, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. Maybe that should be when he decides to play those one of the weeks you go to Bora Bora. What if instead I were to stay here and pay to go to Bora Bora? <laughs> yeah. Would that be something that would interest you? <laughs> Just pay Bora Bora while you stay at home. And this is a hypothetical. <laughs> yeah, this is all ridiculousness that we're talking about. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's knock out a break. When we come back, we'll visit more. Mino next. Mino. 10-12 here on Sports Radio 96.7-13-10. The ticket, weird work in progress. David Mino vacationing. Myself, Ryan Medin, in for him. At his house, Justin Montemayor. And at his house... Tier 1 ticket host from noon to 3, Super Bad Radio, Jake Kemp. We talked about uh, some drops of yours, Jake, that uh, maybe you don't like hearing or not listening to yourself and things like that. I want to come clean on something that has gained a ton of popularity so since it happened. And I want to talk about Jake Chimp, or Kimpanzee, oh, yeah. because... I hear it all the time. It gets played all the time. That's kind of your new liner. Whenever your name comes up, the the laughing of the chimpanzee gets played. And I want to apologize because this was during the dry dock where you were filling in. And I think you were with Corby. It was during the hard line. And Danny was doing the concert calendar. Yeah, this is just the regular mic <clears throat> like single vacation day, I think. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, but you were filling in. It was a Friday. 
the show was very loose and laid back. It was just the guys hanging out at the bar, chilling. We were at uh, we were at Torchies at TMS. Yep. And Danny was reading through the concert calendar, and one of the band's names was Big Chief, and <laughs> he had dropped the biggest. I mean, there's a lot of no-no words that you can't say on radio, but there's one that stands higher than them all, and that is, of course, the F-bomb, and Danny was going into this little scenario in his head where Corby was talking about this band and how he knew how great they were and dropped the F-bomb. Well, that ensued the hardest laugh that I've ever had working at this station, and you and I both started cracking up. Well, your laugh was pretty, you know, I don't want to say normal, but it definitely wasn't what the drop sounds like because there's this high pitch laugh in the background that really makes it sound like it's a monkey going crazy in the zoo. And fortunately, I've been able to escape from any notoriety over this because I think my laugh is more embarrassing than yours in this drop. Let's hear it real quick and break it down. (laughs) Yeah, it's like like there's dueling pianos. Dueling chimps. You're playing the high notes. But I'm... So the one that I think I'm sure is my laugh is the, is the part where it sounds like I'm playing the pentatonic scale. <laughs> where it goes, <laughs> like you start out higher than I do, but then I kind of I kind of vibe with you a little bit. But you're right. I mean, I always knew that was yours. It was just I wasn't going to try to explain to the musers. Um, well, really anything. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, don't go down that road, Jake. It's in, not a good road. In particular, I wasn't going to say, hey, that actually is not uh, yeah. There's another laugh there that's just as weird as mine. It's not uh, worth it. No. And that's um, the beauty of being part-time here, is I can escape from, from the most of that. <laughs> God. The so, symphony. The so symphony, bad. yeah. That's a good one. There you go. Man, I wish you had that in full context, because... We looked for it. it. Can't find it. Really? I know. Yeah, you know what that is, and, and, and I'm not trying to, to load up the, the tactical shoddy on a Sunday morning, but... Um, Fortnite. Jer labels things in a way that only Jer can find them. Uh, and Good way I, to keep a job. Good way to keep I, you out of Bora Bora there. That's true. Um, for now. I, uh, I know how to read Jer. Right, like I've I I did the uh, Rosetta Stone uh, on Jer, and I can find that, but I would not. Uh, and this is not a shot at, at Jay at all. It's it's you have to sort of know how to read the way that that Jer labels things. So if I were there, I could help you, but I am not. Sadly, my guess is it would say something like, um, "Danny doesn't care," says this. <laughs> That's probably what I would go with too. That's something checked yeah. off my I bingo card. Love them. Oh yeah. Oh, oh here it is. Yes. Over him. Oh, Two Jay. Trees. Big Thief and Pale Hound. God, that, that sounds, sounds like, like a Corby, Corby band. Yeah. Oh yeah. Dude, I saw this. Oh, yeah. Saw this band at Lala. The Big Thief, man. They're dope. Whoa. <laughs> God. <laughs> Danny. <laughs> Oh, so Friday. Oh, no. What are you doing? I I don't know. I forgot where I was. Oh, my. 
That is my so favorite Lola. thing I've ever been a part of. Corby band. And since you guys were on remote, <laughs> Jake, it was just me, Danny, and Mino back in the studio. And as soon as Danny said that, he looks over at me with the most terrified face I have ever seen from that man. Corby said, what are you doing? And Danny replied, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> 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 That's one of my biggest fears is to be so casual that I'm just gonna drop one of those words. Man, and I tell you, it's 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 funny you mention that because doing the show from home, and you know, I still do uh, the podcast with TC. I'll hop on, you know, last night. You know, we're we're doing like a Saturday night Zoom Twitch thing, and I'm absolutely torched every single time. It was a joy to watch. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Trey. I appreciate your patronage. Um, but yeah, the the going back and forth, like I think it's been really good for me to be at Dan's house and to sort of normalize that as like this is our workspace as opposed to just sitting in where I am now, where you know I'm in my house. It's the same place we do the podcast. It's the same yeah. place that I might like hop on a, a non broadcasted call with friends. You know, using the same mic, the same setup. So that to me was something I was worried about at the beginning of, of all this. Like, man, how am I going to, you know, it's, it's, people will ask you that. Like, it's really easy to do when you're in the studio. Right. You know, like to differentiate like workspace. It looks like, professional. Right. Like you, you've, you've normalized it. But if you're just sitting in your closet or in your spare bedroom and your family's running about and your dog is there and this is the place that you hop on calls with friends or mm -hmm. you hop on and do podcasts where you can use the c-bomb it's a it's i would think i would have had a harder time with that but that's where the dragon den has been has been huge even if there are two thousand uh, dollar dogs prepared to pounce on my leftovers um that part has been huge that's what i'm kind of worried about where i'm doing the show because the current room I'm in is where I let out more cuss words than anywhere else because this is where I play Xbox online right. and I watch sporting events. Mm -hmm. And so this is where the most foul language anyone could possibly let out comes out of my mouth. And I'm worried my brain is going to go on autopilot and I'm going to just refer to CD Lamb as GMFD CD Lamb. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was definitely well. I tell you, the other thing is, yesterday the the reason that those fears were, I guess, assuaged a little bit was you're not cussing in front of Norm. I don't think I've ever cussed in front of Norm, even like off the air. You know, that's just not that's how true. I talk in front of Norm. It's 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 like uh, like you'll curse in front of your parents, maybe you're not cursing in front of your grandparents, and he's grandparent age, so I don't I I, I don't know that I've ever said. Uh, basically, what I'm saying is Norm doesn't know me. Right, yeah. I, I literally thought about that yesterday when I heard the, kind of towards the end of the draft when it was just you, him, and, and Donovan, how like the biggest extended time you've done with Norm. And I guess we've done NBA drafts with him. Yep. But I didn't know how much of broadcasting you've done with Norm outside of drafts. Uh, I guess besides mixes, too, but even that's five minutes. Yeah, very little. But, I mean, I have done, you know, a, a couple days of the draft before and then and then the NBA draft. Um, and I want to say there's been random times where I've been called from the bullpen for whatever reason to do 10 to noon with him, but that might be like, you know, 
one, two times, and it's three, four segments, and we're, we're yeah. only talking sports. We're not jerking around at all. You're not going over Epstein's travel logs with Norm? Or Stephen Paddock? <laughs> yeah. I'm on a real Paddock kick lately, <laughs> fellas. Yeah, I can only imagine what you've been doing with your free time with all of your uh, conspiracies and just research. I mean, you've had to build some sort of manifesto or something with all your thoughts these days. Dude, and again, I want to be extremely blanket statement clear that I am not complaining because having a job, not to be to be the aforementioned Jay Moore talking about the J word with Bob. <laughs> Dude, I've... I do not, I am not sharing the experience that everyone else is. Like the the man, I'm I, I'm binging this or that and I'm I'm waking up like I have a hundred percent been working more than I ever have in my life for the last two months. Like I, I am dude, I've gone to bed before the sun's gone down a couple times. Like I I do not feel uh like I have more free time at all. Like, one, I'm worried, you know, just trying to make sure that I'm doing everything I can to try to put a good show on, you know, uh, for the first time in my life, like being in a bigger role. But I had the Mavs thing. So basically, I was watching a three-hour game every night, you know. Yeah. Like, everyone else is like, oh, you know, there's no sports. I mean, and maybe I did that partially for my own sanity. But for me, the last the last couple months anyways have just been like a normal playoff run where every night we have a three-hour game. We cut the audio. We take the notes. So I don't, I mean, and it's weird because my wife is definitely in the, the boat that everyone else is of, uh, you know, I got to work from home all day, every day. I'm on all these calls all day, every day at home, but it doesn't feel like normal work for me. It feels, I, I, I am not sharing that experience at all. Okay. And how far do you say Dan lives away from you? Not that far, right? So it's it's definitely not far mileage wise, but it is like a fifteen twenty minute drive because Dan lives way back 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 off the freeway in a, okay in a little it's almost like being in the country, man. I mean, Dan's neighbors have like horses. It's a drive. Oh wow. Yeah, it's it's far off the freeway. I mean, it's only like seven miles, but it's it's way back there. And how I mean, because I I mean I'm kind of like your wife, where I'm pretty much just working from home. But I'm also not really going anywhere. I mean, how much are you guys getting out outside of you going to Dan's house? Zero. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, completely zero. Um, other than, like, you know, picking up on days where my mom or her mom has Nora um, and going and grabbing them, you know, from their house at the end of the day or after the show or whatever. I mean, other than that, zero. I mean, try to you know manage the grocery situation to where it's enough for two weeks at a time um and pretty much that's just for like produce you know and milk mm -hmm. for because kid and stuff but you know I, I try to have enough meat i'm gonna hit a little uh chorizo chili today justin which i know is uh pursuant to your interests uh that's Absolutely. not a race joke at all that's because you've asked me for my chorizo um dip recipe before i have uh but yeah dude i mean not at all like not at all and I mean, I live adjacent to a city where people are going out and getting freaking <laughs> swirls on uh, the patio. So I will refrain from making any, um, you know, wishes on what I hope happens to those people um, <laughs> for their cavalier attitude. But nah, dude, I mean, what? I mean, come on. Like, what are you going to like? Are you going to be that guy? Like, don't be that guy. Well, I mean, I don't know if you're like going to parks or 
anything like that. Like, there's parks around here where there's tons of people walking around or just doing anything. But that's kind of where I am. I'm trying to find something that I can do that's outside of my house because I'm tired of looking at my walls, but also not going to be that unsafe. And pretty much the only thing I've found so far is literally just driving around. Yeah. She said she took uh, she took Nora to the trails by um, by Grapevine Lake yesterday, and the trails are closed. So you can like go out oh, on like yeah. the main arteries, but anything like trying to veer off from the main, I think it's well, it doesn't matter. I can't remember the name of it, but um, she's like, there's a billion people here, and they're all kind of mashed into the main arteries because the the trails that i think horseshoe maybe horseshoe trail maybe it's uh it's all closed but Mm -hmm. um you know that that for us has pretty much just been the neighborhood you know if we want to we try to get out every day with the dog and the baby and go on a little half hour walk but outside of that main it's here in the den you still doing kettlebells in the street yeah and you know what i don't I don't think I should be judged for that. And I realize everyone who's being judged probably feels like they sh- they should have a beef with being judged. But, I mean, yeah, you know, grab grab the farmer carries and, and try to do your 100 yards back and forth. How do you feel about shirt off, barbell, and the garage open guy? Oh, yeah, with some little rock music going on. Because I have like six of those in my neighborhood that are doing it every morning and afternoon. <laughs> I think if you're in your garage, even though you are clearly opening the garage for a reason, and it is so that your neighbor, uh, who's tired of her husband, knows that there's an option. <laughs> um, I mean, I think if you're in your garage, that should that that plays. You know, I, I would never. I haven't done it, and I would never in a million years emerge from the opening of the garage shirt off. But you know, I think if you're in your garage, dude. Honestly, like I was saying, we just got to drop all the restrictions right now. All bets you know, are whatever, off. Whatever keeps you from going full Cobain, I think right now. What? Nothing. He killed himself. And uh, did he? Yeah. I don't think his hand could have reached the trigger on the shotgun. Oh, we got a we got a Courtney Love thing going on here. Uh-oh. Okay. I'm gonna Google Kurt Cobain CIA. Yeah. <laughs> um. What were we talking about? Hot dudes with their shirts off? Yep. Yeah. That's right where we were. Binding Lysol yet? Mark that. Uh, Why? Well, yeah, but that that's so it's all gone, right? Like I I um I gave it I gave it to the baby. Um, <laughs> Injected it. As I could, you know, I'm a father now. So mm-hmm. as soon as with I the had, UV as cocktail. As to, yeah, as soon as I was able to procure some disinfectant, dude. The funniest thing about that is like you know Norm will make some um, like topical political jokes. Boy, he loves a, it. He's not afraid. And they're always like very meet the press, uh, like MSNBC type. You know, it's not like he's doing, he's not doing Epstein humor. Right. But he definitely will take some shots. And a guy sent us a note, uh, a tweet, I think it was. Um, it was either yesterday or Friday, immediately, like when Norm made a Lysol joke and I, I followed him up. He's like, out on the draft. I'm like, dude, if we can't joke about the Lysol thing, like, we have lost all hope. That is just pound for pound comedy. Come on. Have you brought up Peggy Paddock with him? No. No, we don't. Paddock, we don't come to Paddock whenever we come (laughs) into traps. (laughs) Yeah, I remember the one time that that Mino and I, I think, filled in for noon to three. We had to mix with Norm, and Norm was by himself, 
And he wanted to spend the mix talking about the Dow Jones taking a nosedive that day. And me and Mino were just kind of blinking back and forth, like, what the hell? Is he doing a joke? What are we supposed to say back to the Dow Jones? See, I love that stuff, man. I love. And, dude, we all joke because, you know, Bob actually is, is sitting there, like, grinding the tape of yeah. at least, like, the top 60, top 80. But past that, Norman and Bob are in the same boat, you know? Past, past that round. And he, maybe even at that point, Norm knows way more. Because Norm is, is, again, like he's going through tons of guides. And like I think to an extent we've sort of uh, like caricatured him with, with e-breaks and drops. Dude, he was in his zone yesterday at like yeah. 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And it is a pleasure to be a part of it. I was going to say watch, but I'm not in the same room as him. But, yeah, dude, I was gassed yesterday afternoon. This dude is seventy plus, and he is—he is like he has the energy of an eighteen-year-old on like his fiftieth hour of work in four days. He's got round we, one energy in round six. He really does, man. We we should all be so uh, be so lucky to to be that fired up about something at that stage of our life. Like it's he is actually that dude. I'm getting kind of worried about our NBA draft. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure, that's, I don't, gonna, I don't gonna, think that's happening. They're gonna take this away from uh, from Lavar, aren't they? They are. I need to see Nico Mannion and Lamelo Ball, but it's not gonna happen. It's All right, well, I'm gonna happen. go. I'm just hoping for the uh, the season at this point. That's true. Yeah, I don't. I don't even understand how the draft would work if we don't have a conclusion to the season prior. But hey, some facilities are opening up May first. There's hope. That's weird, right? Like that's that is the really strange. Opposite of the way the NFL's handling it. Yeah. Right. Seems very rushed based on what the NBA has told us over the past month. Well, I'm going to go work out in the garage because Jake said that's how you lay cougar meat. <laughs> I'm going to see who I can get near me to just head on over. But uh, Jake, you that's what those dudes are doing. Oh, 100%, <laughs> man. Just laying the thirst traps? Yes, yes. Yeah, All see, right. he, his, his 401k is not worth anything anymore anyway, so why don't you come on down this way? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all that stability you want, it's gone. Yeah, let's live on the wild side. <laughs> all right, thanks for having me, fellas. Peace. Thank you, Jake. We appreciate yeah, it. See you tomorrow, Mino. Okay. Oh. <clears throat> With this being weird work in progress, we got to amp things up a little bit, turn them up, if you will. And doing so, we will be joined by a very special guest. On our phone lines right now, from the Morning Muners, is Junior Miller. Junior, yes. do you have us? Hello, Rick. Hello, Craig. Big fan of your show. Been listening for years, and I am ready to <laughs> talk golf. All we right. are not the T-Box, but we appreciate your enthusiasm so much. Maybe, <laughs> maybe someday. My apologies. I'm sorry. Who is this again? Yeah. This is uh, the Touchdown Brothers. Is Justin Montemayor with David Mino. Justin, David, big fans, ready to talk whatever you want to talk. So I know when I pitched you on this, I, we talked. Uh, I wanted to talk about hypotheticals and aliens, and we'll certainly get to that. But I do want to do a little sports with you because you are my basketball leader, my basketball deity, the basketball Junes. And we've gotten a lot of exposure to 80s and 90s basketball over the last month. Last segment, we did a thing on the 1998 NBA draft and with the last dance. 
and got more exposure to I mean, not early NBA, but for us early NBA, and we really got to see how the game changed. You know how it was more focused on big men, you know, shooting elbow jumpers, and now it's dunk it or shoot a three. And I'm almost positive I know that you would prefer we go back to that style of basketball. Um, am I right in saying that? No, I think I've always liked something in the middle. Like when I was watching 90s basketball, for example, where it was really physical and the final every night was 90 to 84. At the time, you know, the ticket had just gone on the air in 94. And I remember George and I talking about how it's pretty ugly, you know, and we don't necessarily like that, that ugly a basketball. Now, today, it's, you know, 130 to 128 every night. And that that's more of the basketball that I fell in love with back in the early 70s when I was discovering the ABA when nobody else knew about it. And then the ABA, you had all this great talent and you had coaches that liked to get up and down the floor. And so the ABA finals, you know, were 120 to 118 every night. And I thought that was great. And the ABA had the three-point line. So I've, I was into that kind of basketball before most basketball fans knew it existed. And I loved the 80s and Showtime Lakers, and I loved all the scorers. Then when the 90s rolled around, it was really, really ugly, and I wanted it to go back more to what I was used to in, in you know, ABA basketball or Magic Lakers. Now it's gone pretty far the other way, Uh I, I like something. I like it a little more physical than it is today, and it's today's play is probably underratedly physical. Uh, but I don't want it to go back to the '90s. You know, that was. I mean, it was. It was interesting to watch. If you like bench clearing brawls and <laughs> you know murderous fouls and things like that, but uh, no, I don't. I don't want it to go back to the '90s at all. Back to that 98 draft, because that was about the time Justin and I were getting into sports. We didn't watch the draft at the time. I remember the 97-98 Mavs absolutely sucking. It was one of their worst years in franchise history. They had the sixth overall pick, and we went back and watched that draft on TNT, and they were really hyping players like Paul Pierce Antoine Jameson, Vince Carter, the players from North Carolina and Kansas were really getting the big run of this. And then when they they talked about Dirk Nowitzki, they didn't really have much because he was a foreign-born player. They didn't see him play that much. And if I'm watching this and I'm trying to put myself in, okay, I'm trying to think of if this were to happen now and the Mavs were to draft Dirk instead of a proven college player, I would be pretty upset. Do you remember what your initial take was on them drafting Dirk after a terrible season? Yeah, I think the general consensus was <clears throat> we were all very skeptical <clears throat> because Nelly had a reputation uh, for being the mad scientist and very experimental and in love with the Euro. And back then, the Euro did not have a good reputation. Uh, you know, you had well, Tony Kukoc, for example, like we've seen in The Last Dance, you know, he was the Jordan of Europe, and he comes over here, and he's fine, but he's not Jordan. So 
any European draft pick back then, everybody was skeptical. They figured, well, they can probably play. And we heard that Dirk could really shoot. But there was the soft tag. And keep in mind, this is the 90s. So if you're drafting a Euro or signing a Euro, you're probably signing someone who's not used to that physical style of play that was the NBA back then. So the general thought was, yeah, he can probably shoot, but he's going to get beat up. And I I think we were all pretty skeptical. I, I don't think anybody labeled it guaranteed failure, but I don't think anybody thought it was going to be a Hall of Fame player either. I like doing this this exercise, and it serves no purpose, but it's just fun hypotheticals, I suppose, to play around with in my brain, and that's move NBA players or NFL players around to different eras. Like, I like plucking Wilt and throwing him into today's game and just see how he yeah. does, or take Luka and throw him in the 70s and see how he does. The one guy I want to bring up with you is George Gervin. And I want to know what you think, if, how he would perform in today's NBA. That's a good one because he's such a unique player. There's never been anybody like him. Uh, he obviously could shoot the lights out. Today's, you know, he was more like everybody back then. Nobody really used three, even the ABA guys. Like ABA teams and early NBA teams, once the NBA adopted the three, they would have one guy that could shoot the three, and he'd be, they'd bring him in when they were down 12 late and have him shoot threes. Uh, Gervin was such a great shooter, though. Great scorer, could score from any angle. He, I, I think he would be really, really, really good today, but he wasn't overly physical in terms of getting to the rim. He was such a finesse player and so, so slightly built. Like the guys who, who are great scorers today that can get to the rim are bigger, tougher, uh, tougher mindset guys like Harden or Luca. You know, they just <clears throat> they go in there and they absorb the contact. And Gervin could do that too. I, he he was such a great shooter, great scorer. I think he would he would be fine. He would have a place in today's NBA. But that's you know going back to your original question, Justin. That, that's the only my only complaint about today's NBA is I would I don't like the complete disappearance of the mid range game and I understand it's still there it's just not emphasized it's more of a fallback if a dunk or a three isn't there and and Gervin was all about the beauty in the mid range and these crazy little jumpers and the way he would get to the rim and it just he he could still do it today would he win a scoring title would he win four scoring titles today I'm not so sure about that. Uh, I, I wonder that a lot, though, too. When I go back and watch Gervin highlights, which I do a lot, I always think, I wonder if he could get away with that today. Because the athletes back then, you know, what he was throwing up in the lane or just outside the lane, he, the athletes then were not as crazy athletic as they are today. So maybe a lot of that stuff that he was throwing up those finger rolls and whatnot, maybe that gets mm-hmm. rejected into the third row. <laughs> I don't know. Because <laughs> uh, back then the defense was not as athletic and, and intense. So my, my, my gut is, and I hate to say this about my favorite player growing up, but that he would not be a 30-point-per-game guy today. Do you ever see the mid-range game making a comeback in the NBA? 
Or do you think this is it's going to be 10 years from now, it's just going to be every shot is going to be a three-point shot? Yeah, I feel like we're going more in that direction. And I understand why we're going more in that direction. I, I get the philosophy behind it. I just, for me in my life and watching basketball, I just got so much joy out of, well, just look at Jordan in the last dance. I mean, we hardly ever see him take a three. I just get so much joy. All the Dirk fans, you know, the elbow jumper, that was his signature. There's just such beauty in the mid-range. And, and you know, growing up, my favorite players were back-to-the-basket guys who had this beautiful turnaround jumper. That's always been my favorite shot. Wayman or Bernard King, uh, Mike Mitchell, all those guys. So I, I don't think we're ever going to see it come back. Um, the game seems to be trending at a really high pace, you know, towards nothing but threes or dunks. And I mean, it's still there. I don't, I mean, George and I had this conversation not too long ago. You watch an NBA game, you'll still see plenty of guys taking 16 foot jump shots. It's just when they miss those shots, the coach is really pissed. It's like, why don't you miss a three? If you're going to, if you're going to miss a shot, miss a three, not a 16 footer. You can still see it. It's just, it's just not preferred. Who was the Armadillos down by 12 late in the fourth quarter, three-point shooter? You're talking to him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I had uh, – so I was our big man when I was in – so when I was in third grade in the Armadillos, our Nerf basketball team, my Nerf basketball team, was college at the time. So we didn't have a three – point line we had and I was a seven footer in our game program but I wanted to be more versatile when we went to the NBA when Amarillo was granted an NBA franchise so I made myself six nine in the program so that I could move <laughs> about the court a little more freely I wasn't more of a lumbering seven footer so at six nine that's when my scoring average went through the roof and I could shoot inside outside I was very much ahead of my time I was kind of I was kind of the first stretch four, stretch five that didn't really exist until until I splashed onto the NBA scene. <laughs> Changed the game. I did. Justin and I, we, we've also been talking about, since we talked about the 98 draft, and that was kind of the first year of our sports memories. And my first Mavs game was in 1997. It was at Reunion Arena. It was the AC Green night that they put up the Iron Man Iron Man banner. Do you have a moment where you became sports conscious? Do you do you remember the exact moment or the first professional game you went to when you fully got into this? So first game that I went to or first like moment that I remember watching a game on TV or just like having knowledge of a league or a season? Yeah, let's say first moment you remember. I think the first the first moment or game that I really remember, I mean, I kind of remember something about the Cowboys winning the Super Bowl when they beat the Dolphins, 71, I guess that was. And then I really remember the Super Bowl two years later, Dolphins, Redskins. Because I remember I made a bet, a quarter bet with my dad, and we watched the game. 
And then, so it was right in there somewhere early seventies. So I'm like six or seven years old. And that's when I started uh, just really noticing it and reading a lot of it in the sports page. And probably around that time went to my first, I went to my first college football game in 74. It was an OU Baylor game. Uh, you know, growing up in Oklahoma City, I didn't have any in, any pro sports to attend, but went to a minor league baseball game right around that time, 73 probably was the first one. I was seven. So I, I don't know that I remember one thing other than maybe that Cowboys Super Bowl win over the, over the Dolphins because I remember getting like a poster, and I remember my aunt and uncle brought me a sweatshirt that said Cowboys – world champions on it and that's that's probably my very first sports memory all right it is 10 10 we are joined by craig jr miller uh let's carry this over we'll have some more fun hypothetical questions and also throw some fastballs at him next on work in progress good morning this is rick and craig we are the t-box with you this morning and we have special guests hey y'all. craig jr miller joining us and we need to bounce the work in progress hypothetical off of Craig Jr. Miller. I know this is something we've we've wanted to ask Craig for a long time now. This is a hypothetical that Justin and I came up with. I don't know how this started. We came up with this about eight years ago, nine years ago, when we started doing a podcast. And somehow another very popular podcast in, I want to say, Houston somehow heard this and they brought it up on their show but they this is it. this yeah they still well yeah they stole it from us they didn't get our permission but whatever they can use it anyone can use it it's the slug hypothetical and what it is craig if you accept this i, I want to know if you would accept this and if so what your strategy would be but you get an unlimited amount of money you are super popular, super famous. The Armadillos win their ninth in a row NBA title. You're super strong, super athletic, super wealthy. And you've got anything you want. But your only weakness, the only way you can die, is there is a slug that has superpowers and this slug cannot be killed. It is immortal. And this slug's single goal in life is to find you. And if this slug touches you, you automatically die. All right, am I aware of the slug you are. location? Uh, no, you, you don't know where the slug is, but you are aware that if this slug touches you, you die. And you won't be able to tell this slug from other slugs. Okay, so it's a normal size. Yes, normal size, mm-hmm. normal speed, but it's it's smart. It is aware. So it could find itself smart enough to get on an airplane, say you were to go to Bora Bora or somewhere. It could get on a plane. It could get on freight. It could get on a boat, and the slug cannot die. So it could get on a plane. So you might be a passenger on a plane, and you would hear the pilot come over the intercom saying uh, we're waiting for one more passenger to board we apologize this is going to take a while and then like three hours later we're still waiting for that passenger to board 
I don't know if he buys a ticket. Let's just say he sneaks on the plane. I don't know if he has to go through customs and and the whole bit. But he's going to have to be kind of quick to sneak on a plane, right? Um, he'd probably he's like smart, he's smart find someone to, smart enough to ahead, find go. his way under the luggage of someone who's going right. on a flight. Yeah, he'll look up the plane's roster if you will, <laughs> and find someone's, yeah, luggage he can just sneak onto. Well, yeah, I think I'll, I think I'll accept this. I think I can move around enough to stay away from the slug. I just don't think the slug is going to be, so if you're that wealthy, you can buy a house in 50 different cities, 50 different countries. And so you can constantly hopscotch around the world, and there's no way the slug is going to keep up with you. My only issue with this is this is all you're going to be able to think about all day for the rest of your life. And even the situation, say you're getting on the plane, and the pilot announces they're waiting for one more person, even if it is just a person that's running late or some (laughs) important person, you're going to think in your mind that, oh, my gosh, this is the slug, and it's going to get me. Yeah, you would be just sitting anywhere at dinner. You'd probably constantly be looking down at the ground to see if anything's crawling towards your feet. (laughs) But I think after, like, three months of avoiding the slug, you would have... By the way, does the slug have a name? We haven't given him a name yet. Just Super Slug, okay. or if, if you want to name the slug, you're welcome to. Like but, Phil? Yeah. Classic so, Phil. So, yeah, three months after you've successfully avoided Phil, and you're going from Paris to New York to Dallas to Seattle, thinking there's no way Phil can keep up with me, I think you would relax, and yeah. I think you would enjoy the rest of your life. I'd, I'll take that hypothetical, because... Now, like, if you had said a super fly or a super cat or something a little bit bigger, a little more mobile, then there's no way I take that. But a slug, I just, the odds are, unless he has, he's has the ability to go into warp drive. But even if you're sitting in your dining room, for example, and you're eating dinner and the slug has somehow found its way into the house, it would take forever for him to get from that suitcase to the dining room table, and then you move. Then you go to the living room. Now, how long does it take him to go from the dining room to the living room? Do you know what mile per hour they average? Very slow. Boy, I don't even know if but, they get measured in miles per hour. But it's a, smart, hour. it's a smart slug, so he's not going to be chasing after your exact spot. He's going to be taking slow. angles. Miles he's, per hour for slug. <laughs> he's just going to go to the bedroom and wait in the bed. Yeah. It might take him a month and a half to get from the front door to the bed, but he knows what he's doing. Or he's okay, going to so honeypot he's, you. He's, he's plotting. He's smart enough to just say, I'm not chasing this guy around the world. I'm just going to wait for him in his Dallas house, Yeah, in his he, Dallas he can, bed, and when he mm-hmm. comes around. But then maybe every time I get to a new house... Since I have all the money in the world, I have a hazmat team go in and completely strip the linens, completely disinfect. Oh, but you can't kill them, right? You can't, you can't kill it. They could discover it, I suppose. Yeah. But 
I feel like every slug I encounter, because I would hire some kind of slug security. Right. I would like just cover it with a Tupperware bowl or something. Just for a little peace of mind. Because I think any slug I found in my house, I would assume is Phil, although I wouldn't be able to trust that 100%. But you so rarely find slugs that I would be like, this has to be him. But even then, I'm like, okay, does he want me to think this is him? And he's actually hiding over here? Mm Because I would be worried that he's going to honeypot me and make me fall in love with some woman, which he's (laughs) actually hiding inside of. And the first time we actually connect on a really animal level, he'll be waiting inside of her and take me out. It would just be a so horrible way to live. Tupperware, if you put Tupperware over Phil, is he, since he's a super slug, can he get out from that? I think since he's always getting smarter, he would find a way to get out of it. Hmm. I can't tell you right now because I'm I, I'm not I think Phil. even if you found him and like sent him to the bottom of the Mariana Trench... I would not feel 100% correct that I know it's him, because the only way you'll know it's him is if he touches you and kills you. Right. So you'll never know. I'm still saying yes. I'm still taking my chances, and with my endless money, I'm assembling the best slug detection team in the world. (laughs) You know, like 20 guys who are experts in finding slugs, and, and I give them my schedule, and I say, just get to this house a week ahead of time and make sure it's slug free and then I'd stay at that house for a month and then I leave and I go somewhere else and they're always ahead of me my team <laughs> your slug security agency <laughs> I like it <laughs> and of course they're like this guy is insane money has made him insane <laughs> he, he has us go to all his homes and look for slugs <laughs> the guy is a wacko <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my goodness, the slug. Yeah, I don't know. But he pays I'm, us. He pays us well, he so does. we do it. He's just weird. <laughs> just nobody tell him that. Just, just don't tell him he's right. crazy. Just do what yeah, he says. Slugs can kill him. <laughs> yeah, instead of having you know some security with badass tuxedos on, you just have them in beekeeper uniforms, just walking around with you everywhere you go. Right. Oh goodness. Okay, so he is accepting Phil. And Phil will be constantly chasing Junior now. Yes, I'm in. Okay. Let's do it. Fair. All right, so another hypothetical we have for you. I don't know if Gordon has done this one because Gordon has certainly done a number of ridiculous hypotheticals with you guys, which I always think are great, just fleshing out hypotheticals and getting into the the nitty-gritty. I love them. Like, like right now, having to look up how fast slugs can go, which the fastest <laughs> recorded slug is 1.9 miles per hour. In case you ever need nice. that wow. trivia, that's really? pretty fast, that's right? That's the I Usain thought. Bolt. That's the Usain Bolt of slugs. So, did somebody put a radar gun on a slug? <laughs> <laughs> how did we? How did we find this out? 1.9 miles an hour. That's I think he was on a road, and he just got one of those little radars that are on the side of the road that tells you your speed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay, so like I said, I, I Gordon might have done this one, but I'll pay you $1 million, or we can up the ante if, if need be. But for the rest of your life, you're only attracted to chickens. Do you take it? 
How is that different from my life right now? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Junior's just going to KFC, just slowly Grim starts. Oh. Good one. Only attracted to chicken. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean... So basically what you're saying is I have no sex life well, other than other than if I choose to date a chicken. Correct. I mean, you don't even have to date the chicken. You can have one-night stands with chickens. You don't have to take them out to dinner or anything. You don't have to commit fully. But if you I have any kind of... prison on some bestiality <laughs> charge, though. All the chickens are into it. They're willing... They're big P1 chickens. <laughs> They're into it. <clears throat> but, yeah, we should I, mean, somehow... I think that would be hard for, should... for Junior to, as a recently no. married man, to explain that away. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to pass on that one. <laughs> Maybe we should... I'm okay. going to pass on that one because then you, for the rest of your life, you're not, you, you don't appreciate human beauty. Okay. Uh, I thought you were going to say appreciate fried chicken <laughs> because... That's right. You, control your, you can't control yourself anymore. <laughs> no, I'm going to say no on that one. That would make the rest of my life too weird. I think we should have paired that one with the slug hypothetical. <laughs> you have to combine them. <laughs> yeah. But you're only attracted to slugs. No. Now Ooh. we make that interesting. That doesn't so make Phil sense. Phil is trying to kill me, but I'm attracted to him. <laughs> right. That sounds like an episode of Killing Eve. <laughs> it's fatal attraction. Yeah. So you're just constantly hooking up with slugs, but eventually one of them's going to be Phil. Yeah, that would be too dangerous. I'd say no on that one. Okay, if we add in the sexual attraction to slugs, we no longer do the Phil one. Okay. Right. The last, um, the last work in progress one that we've done for a while is, and this can be used across a multitude of sports, but what we always use is Rangers right fielder. What if we promised you that we'd pay you a million dollars a season but you have to play right field for the Rangers and bat leadoff right now. No one outside of you will know that this is just a bit for you to get paid. Everyone's going to think that John Daniels really sees a lot of potential in you, that they keep rolling you out there even though you're batting 0-0-0. And the whole town will hate you for how bad you are. Would you take it? And Woody puts me in the lineup every single night. Every yes. there, every game. Well, you know, you'll guarantee get your health Tuesday off. Y you won't get right. hurt at all. No, no, that would be. I would be. <laughs> I would be the all-time sports laughing stock. <laughs> you would just be. Your legacy would be that you were the worst athlete ever. That you had. Whatever, six hundred plate appearances and hit zero zero zero. <laughs> Never great. your on base percentage was zero zero zero. <laughs> no. And then think of all the errors I'd make in right field and everybody would take the extra base on me because I have no arm. No. How, <laughs> no. how many I'm not signing up for humiliation every night no matter what the pay. How many games would it take for Woody to get fired? Could he make it? Could he make it three weeks? Just because so Junior's in right in field. It? Yeah, he, he knows. knows. He, well, I think they know they have to play you, but they don't know why. Because that would make him quit, right, after like a week. If John Daniels is making him... Man just constantly getting punched <laughs> out. 
Yeah. Well, you know what? I mean, there's only one potential upside moment, and that is so I've gone three months without a hit or a walk. And one night I closed my eyes and I managed to make contact and I hit a little Texas leaguer for a base hit. <laughs> Do you know how crazy the crowd would go? When <laughs> Junior finally gets a hit. <laughs> And it would be that would be like the greatest moment in sports history when the worst athlete ever got a hit. They would stop so the game down like Cal Ripken Jr. for forty five minutes. Got 3, yes, it'd be like remember when Ricky Henderson broke Lou Brock's record, I think, <laughs> and he picked up the base, second base that he stole, and he held it above his head. That's what I would do at first base. I'd pick up the base and hold it above my head, and the crowd would go crazy. After you just bloop one over C.J. Crone's head. You know what, though? Another reason why I wouldn't do it is there would be some guy on the bench that should be playing right field, oh, and he yes. would hate me, and he would make oh, life yes. miserable for me in the clubhouse. Bitch. Willie Calhoun still can't get on the team because of Junior. <laughs> right. So Willie yeah. Calhoun would have, at some point, he'd have his goons attack me and break my legs. <laughs> but you still got to play every night because now you're in a wheelchair. <laughs> you got to make your guaranteed salary. All right, Junior, we got to run. We appreciate you uh, hanging out. No, I got plenty of time. Pictures. What else is going on? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. We got to talk about the up and down golf stuff. We got we got We got the Touchdown Brothers on with us next. That's right. Okay. Risen to Jimmy Amanjola. All right, guys. I enjoyed it. Thank you so Thanks, much, Frank. Junior. There's Junior Miller from the Musers. You should check them out. I'm sure you already do. <laughs> You're listening to us. You know. But we are joined now by a special guest. I'm excited for this. I believe this is his work in progress debut. It is. It's the great Davy Lane joining us. Hello. Hello, Davy. So can what do you, you hear me? I can hear you great. You do not sound like you're on the phone. No. You've got your own special studio. I inherited David Moore's Comrex box. That's hot. I know, right? <laughs> I'm getting his sloppy seconds. <laughs> you didn't want to sell that for its giant value? I mean, it's a fantastic piece of equipment. Is this where high tea is recorded on that? No, high tea is recorded. Well, usually it's recorded in person at uh, Toby's studio, but uh, the last couple have just been recorded on Skype. But this is in preparation for uh, Ticket Eighties Prom, which is coming up on Friday. Okay, little uh, Friday f around show. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I was, I was inspired by Walonsky's um, his ticket. Christmas music spectaculars during pandemic times, and so I decided to do one, and so this one's going to be uh, '80s prom themed. And this is going to be even better than Walonsky's, is what not, we're I'm is what we're that. hearing. I'm not saying that it's just going to be maybe more focused than Walonsky because <laughs> because when Walonsky comes on, it's whatever he feels like playing, and it's all over the road, and you never know what he's going to play. Whereas when I do the thing on Friday you know it's going to be something that you might have heard in the 80s at a high school dance. So I'm kind of curious about your your 80s music fascination because that's certainly 
one of your top three ticket talking points is your love for the 80s. You're called the Erasure Bear, which is right. the nickname you sign off on. Yes, that, that's uh, given to me by the uh, the old gray wolf, so I gladly accept it because I am his. So is this something bear. that is this something that kind of was like you know your your huge bit early on, or is this something where you just turned on an '80s song next to you know someone with ticket prominence? They named you the '80s guy, and all of a sudden this blossomed into this whole thing for you. Um, well, I think it starts with the time wasters because everybody who, especially if you're, you know, tier three or below and you want to participate in the time wasters, you need to have a hook. You need to have, right. uh, you know, some reason to be up there on the stage. And so I just always embraced, uh, ambiguously gay 80 songs. And so that became my bit, but it came from a, a, a legitimate place because, you know, I went to high school in the late 80s. I graduated in 90. And so that's my wheelhouse. That's that's the music of my youth. Is Gordon like your only soldier in arms? I mean, I guess Mike started to glom on too. But. Yeah, uh, Mike, that was during his dark period. But he has since, in his uh, golden years, gone back and rediscovered all of that 80s magic that he missed when it was happening. Um, surprisingly, I think Sturm is also on board with a lot of uh, 80s stuff. Because we're about the As same a couple age. Yeah. I know he went yeah, to the Depeche Mode show a couple years back at the Bomb he did, Factory. Right. He was. But yeah, you, I think you pretty much turned Mike Reiner. I think you got him into that. Because I remember him saying he, he just, you know, he thought it was SG at the time, but his good yeah. buddy, the Erasure Bear. Yeah, and every once, in a, every once in a while, Mike will text me a, a question about a band or a type of music, and I will text back with a couple of YouTube videos for him to check out. So, you know, we're 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 partners in discovery as as Erasure have Bear like a, and Erasure Father. Like a go-to playlist that you give to people because as someone who, I mean, my music tastes are, are very specific and then just different from everyone else. It's literally like ninety-five percent hip-hop and rap so like when i did a show with machine i'd have to have him give me playlist of white people music for me to listen to right. because <laughs> i didn't have like any reference like he would name bands and i i couldn't tell if he was joking we had to do a segment on whether a band name was a person you didn't know who or pink floyd was band. i thought pink floyd was a dude steely like, dan just, was yeah, like yeah that, it took he's uh, yeah, I've heard she, of she's of great <laughs> <laughs> So do you She's have so like a go-to 80s playlist that you can just give someone? No, uh, but I do plan to, uh, after we're done with the uh, Ticket 80s Prom, which will be right after the Top 10 uh, this coming Friday at 9 o'clock. Um, after I'm done, because I have a working playlist, uh, it, I haven't stacked it, and I think a lot of it will be extemporaneous, just kind of requests or just whatever I'm feeling. Yeah. But um yeah. but after it's done, I will publish a uh, a Spotify playlist of the uh, Ticket 80s Prom playlist. Um but in the interim, if you want to go on Spotify and just uh type in HT Wow, which is uh short for High Tea with Old Waver, which is the podcast that I do. Um mm -hmm. not only will you find the podcast, but there's also two playlists. 
So there's one that's just called HT Wow. That's all the songs that we've played on the the regular pod. And then there's also one called HT Wow After Dark. That's all of the pod or uh, all of the songs that we've played on the subscription only version of the pod. And so not all of those are necessarily uh, 80s. Some of them are 90s or, uh, you know, of this century, but they all share kind of the, the same DNA. They're, they're all very uh, similar in musical style. I kind of wanted to get into your early days at the ticket because that was, I mean, before I really started listening, were you, did you start when the station started in 94? Were you one of the original weekend guys or did you start a couple of years later? Uh, no, I started, I started about maybe six months into the ticket. Okay. So you were right there. Yeah, so the the ticket came on the air January of 94, and I graduated from North Texas in May of 94, and uh, I had known Grego from, I you know, I interned at uh, Channel 5, and I interned at WBAP, and so I knew Grego before the ticket started, just from stringing tape and from his days at WBAP. And so I reached out to him, and he was the one who actually got me in the door. And so my first job was weekend overnight board op. So that's what I did right out of school. What was your relationship with Mike like back then? Because we've always always heard stories that he was really tough to... I don't know to crack his shell or just to, just to really get close to him, and he didn't really like new people. I he I think he's changed a little bit in oh, he's his later years. But he's I mean, even a ton. even when I even took started, bit, he, oh right? my god, it took him a year or so to really warm up to me. I, I was one, and now that you know he's you're one of his favorite people. He has the nickname for you. I was just wondering what it was like, you know. Uh, early 20s guy working at the station that he created like what was that relationship like well i think it's twofold in that he's he is very uh cautious of new people like he he wants you to to prove that you're worthy of his uh, time and attention um and then also i think at that time even though he was you know, when he started the station, he was in his, uh, I guess, mid forties, but he had a, uh, like a jealousy of youth. You know, he, he wanted, uh, to make sure that everyone had to pay all the dues that he had to pay. And so he didn't like seeing anyone younger than him having any kind of success. Uh, and so when it, it took a while for me to even get on his radar, but uh, the thing that, that made him notice me at first was the Kenny Rogers perfect game um, because that was when uh, Mike and Greg were doing Diamond Talk for every Rangers home game. And they were doing it live at uh, you know at a bar like Bobby V's or Jay Gilligan's or something over there in Arlington. And so the uh, Kenny Rogers perfect game, I was, I was there stringing tape. I think Corby was there as well. And so, uh, you know, one of us was in the Rangers locker room. One of us was in the, uh, was it the Angels? I don't even remember. Um, we were in the visiting locker room. And so 
part of what I was doing in addition to getting tape was getting uh, whomever. Um, I think I might have gotten Rusty, you know, because Rusty had the big catch. But I, I got several players to call in and do live interviews on uh, Diamond Talk. And so, you know, Ryan's thought that was great. And so that kind of ultimately got me the, the uh, ticker job on the hard line after Followell uh, switched to the nighttime show. And so, uh, you know, he noticed me. He wanted to give me a shot, but he also hated me. And, and again, that was the generational thing because it was on the hard line at that time. It was Mike and Greg who were late 40s established versus Corby, Danny, and myself who were all snot-nosed kids. And so it was, uh, you know, us against them. And that was when he really hated me. It wasn't until after I was on his show much later, um, after I think I had a daughter and we bonded over the fact that we were both uh, girl dads, that uh, he started seeing me in a different light and saw me as a as an adult human. <laughs> when did you start doing uh, tickers for him on the hard line? Oh, man. Um, I mean, that was probably... <sighs> I, all of this is a blur because it was so long ago, but that was probably like 97 to 98, something like that. I only did it for... Not even a year, probably. Uh, and so, long story short, so Followell goes to the nighttime show with Doug Anderson, the Ender, which actually was um, Danny's uh, his introduction to the ticket because he was their producer uh, before he went on to produce the Hardline. Oh, um, and so. When Followell went to Nights, they slid me into the ticker booth, and so I did that, and then um, and then they canceled the the nighttime show, and so then they gave uh, Followell his old job back, and so then I was kind of a floater again, and then that's when uh, Bob Ortigal got sick, and so then they shuffled uh, all of the the Mavs uh, commentators around. And so that's when Mark started doing Mavs. And then when he finally took the Mavs job full time, rather than give me my job back, then they gave it to Kevin Scott. <laughs> so, Do you think the Dr. J Suns ticker played into any of these? <laughs> oh, all of it did. I was not a good, I was not a good ticker guy. I, I was, uh, I was, ex I was a bundle of nerves in those days because I was uh, extremely afraid of failure. And I put a ton of pressure on myself. And I was always uh, trying to write as many jokes into my tickers as possible. Right. And I always wanted to write a fresh ticker every time. I didn't want to recycle stories. And, you know, in those days, it was three tickers an hour. And so those just would come at you real fast, especially when you're not a, a super fast writer. And so combine the fact of being sometimes underprepared. And then also nervous as hell, I just uh, I screwed up a lot, and so it's probably a good thing that I was not given that job back. In those ticker days, were you going off newspapers and like writing your ticker on a legal pad, or is this <laughs> no? We had some uh, being a millennial. We had some crappy word processor. Um, yeah, okay. there were there were definitely cut Notepad. out. 
There, there were definitely cut out newspaper articles <laughs> spread out on the on the pay uh, on the desk, uh, and then there was like uh, the AP wire, and I think we printed those out on a dot matrix printer. Um, oh, good. So yeah, it was. Uh, and if if I had time, then I would also print out my my ticker script on that dot matrix printer. Because God forbid I had to read it off the computer screen. That was a recipe for disaster. The Dr. J one is probably the most famous ticker you did. But was there any other times that either you, I don't know, had some e-break or something of you just go back and you, when you think of, I don't know, a, a, a mistake or if you have nightmares of doing tickers, is there any other moments that you think of? Um... Well, not necessarily uh, like an e-brake type mistake, but there was one where uh, you remember the player Jason Williams, white chocolate. Yeah, I, I may have used a, a term for him in a ticker that, uh, particularly in this century, would mean uh, immediate fireable offense. Oh no! Does it rhyme with tigger? Oh boy! Yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, yeah. Like a and white version. Our of a board op is searching opex. Oh, no, it does not exist. right now, but it does I do not, not exist. A, it does not exist. I think it's around. If so, we probably wouldn't need no, to play but it. it is. But it is yeah. in my permanent record. And you know, it was just it was me just uh, again trying to uh, scorched earth think of anything shocking and funny, and not really realizing um, the the gravity of what I was saying and the platform that I was saying it on. And, and then you were just uh, the, floored when you didn't get your job back as Ticker Man. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know what else what I could What did I ever do wrong? <laughs> I was just saying it, man. It's oh, God. I said it with a W, guys. <laughs> yeah. Did you not hear me? It's a term of endearment. <laughs> Same well, and that's the, sa the that's the same time that there was a guy on uh, the K one hundred four morning show, and his name was the Wig. Oh, oh man! So you know there was precedent. It's, I yeah. just I felt like okay, this is a safe place, but I was wrong. That was your version of I have a black friend. <laughs> yeah, so it's okay. K one hundred four is a guy named the Wig. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's knock out a break. You know, we got to pay the bills, Davey. Um, when we come back, I want to talk about the formation of the orphanage with you. And we also have one of our favorite e-breaks of yours that we want to do a little play-by-play -play with. So, more oh, I also have, I also have a Rodman memory, because I heard you talking about Rodman earlier. Okay. Ooh, we'll talk about yeah. that. All right. Next. All right. Welcome back to The Ticket. Work in progress with Monty and Mino. We'll uh, replay some of the best of guys day out at 10.30. But first, let's keep talking with Gen X Davey, the Erasure Bear. Now, you teased something right before we went to break that I'm really interested in. We did a Dennis Rodman on the Mavs segment earlier in the show, and we were kind of curious to hear from people who were covering the team or around the station whenever all that happened. And I guess you would have been square in that demographic. So do you have a good Rodman story? Yeah, well, so that was uh, during my heyday of covering games, and it was, of course, obviously the depths of the Mavericks' 90s suckiness, and it, as you talked about earlier, the 
bringing in Rodman was, um, it was kind of a, I don't know, a PR ploy to sell tickets. Uh, they just they were terrible, and they just thought that uh, you know that that might put some butts in seats, I guess. And I was there, not at his introductory press conference, but at his first game. And back in those days, uh, a generic Mavericks game prior to his arrival, you know, you would have your your regular media outlet people, and the uh, post-game scene would be pretty tame. You know, there'd be like 20, 25 reporters kind of milling about getting their stories done. But then once Rodman showed up, then he would always uh, have his own press conference out in the hallway or, or in a you know conference room. And there were, you know, over a hundred media there, uh, from all the national outlets and all of the basketball publications, and then everybody local, even non-sports uh, outlets. And the thing that I most remember in that uh, first presser after his first game as a Mav, somebody brought up his number, brought up seventy, and you had mentioned that uh, David Stern did not allow him to wear number sixty-nine. And so somebody asked him, they said, so why are you wearing uh, the number 70? And he said, well, Stern won't let me wear 69. And uh, I thought 70 was close enough because it's a 69 with a thumb up your butt. (laughs) (laughs) It's Gen X Davey. No, that was Rodman. That was me quoting Rodman. That's, That's awesome. Did you play I, that in your ticker as a? <laughs> no, your actuality. No, I don't. Well, think I, uh, I don't think I worked that into a ticker, but I should have. I mean, I mean, I guess it makes sense on why he had to why he had to ban number sixty nine. Like, I just want someone to like. I guess you can't do it now, but then would have been like, <laughs> explain exactly Stern? why he had to yell at his corpse. <laughs> why he can't wear number sixty nine? Like, what's the significance of that number? And he has to explain. Well, one you know, one person's on one end. It's, it's mutual gratification. Nice. Maybe he's going to ban number seventy now, since you know it's right. the whole we thumb thing. Yeah, <laughs> we just need to look at uh, at Rodman and Carmen Electra's chart, just to see which each number means. I can't wait till bars open back up. I'm going to be pitching so many seventies. <laughs> Just see how many girls bite. And he wore just number 70. he wore number ninety one <laughs> in Chicago, and I'm just trying to think of what that number would look like. Yeah, I don't know. Like the one is pretty self explanatory, but the nine is yeah. So maybe that's like your friends in the corner or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I'm sure we could just go through just all have... the numbers and have fun with it. <laughs> The, the, imagine just the overall Dennis Rodman sex life and the things that guy's done. Yeah, he was, uh, I mean, we saw it in The Last Dance, but the dude was a walking circus. Uh, his entourage, just his his hairdos, you know, he was, he was obviously post-bulls at that point and was always having the lime green leopard print hair or, you know, mm-hmm. multicolored stripes or whatever. The dude was just insane and, and the ultimate attention whore. Would he talk like after every even... game? Like, would he? Because it seemed like from that article that as soon was the ga- as soon as the game was over, he wouldn't even shower or change. He would just take his shoes off and wear his jersey back to 
Cuban's guest home or wherever he was living. Like, was he decent with actually giving you guys stuff? Honestly, I don't remember. I don't know that he really talked to the media that much after that first interaction, that that first game. I, I think you're right. I think he would just kind of find the the rear exit and uh, sneak his way out of the building, if you will, uh, un, unbeknownst <laughs> to the media. And I think what's funny about just his overall bit is it's not like he's even calmed down since then. Since then, he's called Gordon a sea sucker at Ticketstock, and he's best friends with the biggest dictator in the world. <laughs> like, yeah. he's transformed into Kim Jong-un's best friend. Well, he, think think of all the brain cells that he's killed in the intervening 20 years, 25 years. I mean, even the way he talks, you can just kind of hear it. Yeah. Like, when he I was mean, the, the Ticketstock stage. The dude has abused goodness. his body and... Uh, I mean, he was a mess in the 90s, so you can just imagine what his uh, mental capacity is these days. So we got into your kind of early ticket stuff last segment, and, you know, we don't have to talk rant stuff. You talk rant stuff a lot, especially at uh, at this last ticket stock. We were both in the AMA oh, right. one time. Yeah, that was fun. That was awesome. Um, but how did it transfer, I guess, to to you and Danny taking over the orphanage once the rant left? Was it just, hey, I want to stick around. I still want to do weekend radio. Danny wants to do it with me. We'll do the show. Well, there was a um, there was a little bit of uh, an interim process between the end of the rant and the beginning of the orphanage. Um, I don't know that it was that I was totally grandfathered the the 10 to noon time slot on Saturday. I don't ne- I don't necessarily think that Kat said, "Well, you know, whatever you want to do," but I did have to uh or I at least was given the opportunity to keep it. And so I rolled out a couple of different iterations. I had um what was called the B team, which was uh Toby Pipes, who I do HTWOW with, and then our friend Manny. And so it was the three of us but it basically was me having to to carry the show and those two guys chiming in because they you know they weren't radio people they right. were just they were just my funny friends but it's different being funny at the bar and being funny on the radio mm-hmm. and um so that that didn't really catch the world on fire uh but then i also asked Danny if he would be interested in doing it and then so we did a few shows and we ended up having good chemistry. And then uh, once we decided that we were going to go ahead and do it, we uh, needed to figure out a name because every show needs a stupid name. And right. uh, because both of us are, are children of adoption, we decided to go with the orphanage. And the rest is history, I suppose. Yeah, we just called ours work in progress because... As a placeholder. Did we ever have we ever told that story of how we came up with the name? We started it on a podcast, and we're ordering a pizza on our podcast because you were we had nothing pizza tracker because we had nothing else to do. <laughs> so we we ordered a pizza and we didn't have a name, and we so we asked the pizza guy what our show name should be, and he said it could just be a work in progress. So we're like, oh, 
That's pretty good. That's brilliant. I think at first we asked him to write a name on the pizza box, and whatever it was on the box we were going to use, <laughs> and the, the the pizza guy had no interest in our bit, and I think he was just trying to get us off the phone. The pizza so guy has been what he did. contacting me, asking for residuals and yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A few people have that used well, to be involved. You guys, you, guys have, uh, you guys have Travis and, and Trey and Ryan. I mean, this is, uh, this is like an all-star weekend cast you've got going here. They're pretty good. Pretty good most days. Most days. We get some good e-breaks from everybody. Uh, but yeah, speaking of e-breaks, I wanted to bring this up because I think this is a highly underrated e-break from the past few years. And this might be... This is one of the first time that Luka Doncic's name has been mentioned oh, on the yeah, ticket. I remember. Okay, I'm glad you remember because it's... We've played it a couple times on our show, but it hasn't it. gotten a lot of burn... On the weekday shows. But this was, I guess, so Luca was drafted in 2018. So this would have been the 27 or 2017 2018 season. And I think you were filling in for Mike or Cash, one of the Saroy twins. For Cash, yeah. Yeah, you're just filling in for Cash. And you're doing a show with Mike. And you were running down some of the NBA draft prospects. And at yeah, that because, time. Because, because the Mavericks were definitely going to be in the lottery. Yeah. And so we were thinking about, well, where, where could the Mavericks, uh, where, where do the odds, the ping pong ball odds show the Mavericks picking? And then who are the, the top players, the top five players available in the draft? And so, it, yeah, it was kind of known that they were going to have a top five pick. And at that time, at that time, the two biggest names were DeAndre Ayton and Marvin Bagley, just because, and I guess maybe Trey Young, too, because they were playing on TV every day. Uh, if you watch college basketball, you would know who they were. But Luca was playing in Spain, and his name looks weird, and it's hard to pronounce. I remember we'd all say Don, Doncic or Doncic or something. Right. And and this is how Davey... I think this is edited, right? Okay. I hope so. This is, <laughs> this is how... <laughs> Davey pronounced Luka Doncic. Just watching him, I don't know how he's not going to be the number one pick. And I know DeAndre Ayton and um, you know, Michael Porter, the kid from Missouri, are like kind of the consensus one, two, three with Bagley. But and there's the the Real Madrid point yeah, guard, Luka Doncic. Doncic, yeah, Doncic. Is that a Donk Doncic? Probably get rid of it. No, <laughs> did I say it wrong? Yeah, I had to dump that. Yeah, so the the non beeped version is donkey penis. <laughs> yeah, I, I think but, we get. We, a, I think we get it. Word. <laughs> See, and I, I, I'm just surprised. Like that nickname hasn't caught on yet. Like that would be a great T-shirt <laughs> if you just walk into the double AC and you see a shirt yeah, with a donkey. <laughs> And it uh -huh. has, or maybe and it then, doesn't. And then Luca hanging down. Yeah, and it do, maybe it doesn't say, maybe it doesn't say the donkey uh, penis, but it just has Luca, and then underneath Luca is the donkey, and then that we can't yeah. be disrespecting him like that. We got to treat him right so he stays here. You know? No, I mean that's just uh, he's he's big and impressive. Yes, that's what, it's a it's a right. metaphor. And it's, if you've ever seen one, they're. You know, he's 
He's although but, hug do, like do a man. You like how, do you like how I ring. played it off as as a uh, legitimate mispronunciation? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're Don, like, oh, Don, 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 Don Is that right? Uh, am, am I saying it right? Uh, what, no. Huh? <laughs> so was that just like a stream of conscious thing of? I think I'm going to say this, or I think I, I think maybe in the break before, as I was looking down the list, I, I think the thought popped into my head, and if I thought if I could maybe work this in. It might be gold, and Mike didn't think so. I think Mike was on high alert because anytime Mike or Cash would have me uh, fill in, they were very excited to have me fill in, but they were also nervous that they would get in trouble with Cat. <laughs> yeah, I will. I have that reputation, and I, I, maybe it's you know I feel like I feel like that I am not a uh, a disruptor. Uh, that I'm not trying to burn the whole place down. I feel like I'm just trying to hit a few home runs, maybe some triples off the wall in the corner. And right. maybe in, in doing that, I take some big swings and have some Joey Gallo three-pitch strikeouts. I don't know. I, and I don't think you're a you're not a volume shooter either, though. Because, you know, if you're in for a week or two filling in it's it's not an everyday thing where we have to dump Davey no. but if it's a if it's a fill-in like if you're if you're in for one day to peel the curtain back there are times where cat will come in and say hey Davey's into it today so just uh <laughs> watch the dump button <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I'll you know, know I like, don't okay. know I when yeah when it's a one-off when I when I get one chance to be on the air for six months then I I might have what uh, Danny would call radio blue balls, and I will uh, I will go for it maybe more than I would if I knew I was doing a whole week of the hard line, and then I I would treat it with maybe a little bit more professionalism and try to prove that I am a real radio personality, but you know when when you're just trying to make an impression in three or four short hours. Yeah, you gotta. I think it also depends. Gotta go for it. (laughs) I think you're like a uh, like a teenager, and it depends on who you're with. Because Davey with John Radigan doesn't issue the donkey D line, but you put Davey with Danny or Mike Saroy or Corby, then you might get a few more donkey D's. There's certainly something to that. You're you're onto something there, Justin. I think we've done a good job today. We got the Dennis Rodman thumb story. And then we had the the donkey, uh, and the Jason Williams nickname. Yes, yeah, we've yeah. done we've done good. Still time for a dump and chase. We've no, no, we haven't had a dump anything though. We right? haven't. We we've no, uh, really. Should I cuss real quick? <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm not gonna say, I'm not gonna say you should. I don't no. think. No, I don't. No. Uh, no, I I, I want to I want to keep it profesh. Yeah, we got to have you back morning. on again sometime. Yeah, this is you, you, you guys people, asking me. Do you hear people that say you sound like Mino? I have heard that. I think we have similar delivery. I don't think our voices sound the same, but I think we have the same kind of droll, uh, sarcastic, halting cadence. Yeah. I can see that. I don't think we sound the same either. No, I don't think we sound the same, but maybe you sound like my little brother. Okay. Cooper? Cooper Lane? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That'll, that'll, okay, that'll be my 840 character in a couple oh, weeks. God. I love to Work it out. Lane. Cooper Lane. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Davey, 
Appreciate you jumping on with us. Yeah, thanks for inviting me anytime, especially now that well, I can we, do it from my house. I know. Isn't that great? It's well, so be sure great. To check out. I'm, the, I'm the, in my, uh, I'm in my underwear prom. in my kitchen. Who is, dude? I'm with you. It's great. Hell <laughs> yeah! From home. But yeah, tune into the ticket uh, '80s prom on Friday, hosted yes, by nine PM our very own. until whenever. Hell yeah! We'll be Hell there yeah. Friday. Let's have some fun over our next couple of segments because. Joining Weird Work in Progress is the commander, George Dunham. George. Hey, hey. I'm so glad. How are you doing in these weird Sunday mornings? The, the, the timing is absolutely perfect. Because if there are, I'm really not an expert on much, but I am an expert on mascots. Yes. Okay. That's, yes. Why, that's why we called. That is right in my wheelhouse. <laughs> Here's the deal. You're right. They can be a just a total whip, and I think we have a couple of those here in the Metroplex, including Mavs Man, who, not funny, scared of kids. Like you said, Justin scared you when you were younger. And uh, Rowdy, who's got to be the worst all-time mascot. Here's what you need for a good mascot. You need a snout, a tail, a... A cartoon-like friendly face, so like if you just see a picture of that mascot like the gorilla or the Seattle Mariners moose, you instantly laugh, or the San Diego chicken. It's just funny. You know, You like you see Bugs Bunny's mug, that's funny. Right. Snaps so, man, not funny. So Roddy, not funny. So you're okay with the mascot <laughs> that doesn't have anything to do with the team? Like the gorillas is, is yeah, probably the fine. best yeah, example. The Cowboys could have a roadrunner. That'd be funny. You know, but, <laughs> yes, but he has a beak, uh, which is kind of like a snout, and he's got a tail. And if he was, like, running and ran into the goalpost and racked himself, we would all think that was hilarious. <laughs> so he's just doing jackass bits out on the field? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, Rowdy saying a field goal is no good, not funny. A, a a Cowboys missed field goal, and then the Roadrunners' reaction is to tear through the end zone, do a spread eagle uh, kamikaze, you know, crash into the goalpost. That's hilarious. Did you, I always felt this way too when I would go to games, and the mascots would try to hug me. I really wasn't into it, but I felt like I kind of societal pressure was forcing me to. Do you remember those interactions with you with your kids at games and the mascots oh, wanting yeah. to hug them? Were you, did, yeah, did you it like was, it? Were okay, you into it? Here's a good one. Yeah, this is back when I was doing the Dallas Desperados. <laughs> Pretty funny. Snout, tail. The problem with the coyote was his face was a little threatening, a little ominous. And yeah, it wasn't always that funny. And uh, he went. My family was at a game. He sat down next to my youngest son, took his popcorn, acted like he was eating it like To, and then threw the box down. <laughs> the, what uh, the heck? <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, kind of a funny bit, but I mean, it just. I think my youngest at the time was like. Four, maybe yeah. three, and it just—I think he started crying. It was terrible. Now, had a moose done that? Uh, that may have been kind of funny. He might have gotten over it. Yeah, but did they replace the, the popcorn? Like mean looking. It was scary. Yeah, he's just a bully. It's not nice. Yeah, he was a bully. 
stuff. How about, how about this? If you could go back to the to the days of your your PA days for the Dallas Cowboys, let's say the salary is the same. You're making the same amount of money. Would you rather do PA or would you rather be a mascot? No, see, here's the thing. I love mascots. I think the job itself is a complete beating. I couldn't imagine being in one of those costumes, how hot it is. Especially, could you imagine doing a Cowboys game back in the day at Texas Stadium, a preseason game, and being in any sort of costume? Uh, The college football mascots that are out there at 95 degrees at kick, yeah, I would stick with PA. But if I had a good uni, like if I was the famous chicken, I could do some of his. I, I used to take my kids. We went every year on chicken night. And I think I laughed harder than they did. Yeah, I'm a simpleton. I, I don't care. I, I admit it. But what, what is chicken it was, night? It was really, he had great bits. I mean, when he would take a chair out, let the first baseman, you know, take a break and give him a towel and a cold drink. And yeah. he would take the throws coming the first. And then all of a sudden he would get distracted and then, uh, you know, a, a throw to first with light him up because it hit him in the beak and he'd do this <laughs> big dramatic, you know, fall back on his... Who, who doesn't laugh at that? That's that's a real-life cartoon. That's hilarious. Yeah, the stench thing has always got me because at our one of our stores we have, like, the clucky mascot, and I used to have to go out there. And I remember the stench that would emanate from me when I took all of that off, it had to knock out people within a twenty foot radius of me, and oh, that was just yeah, from like an I can hour. Imagine the best. Yeah, oh, it was the worst. That's for a restaurant. I think we probably should get rid of those. The best mascot I, is the blow up ones. I got to do that a couple of times, and the amount of tricks you can do in those blow up suits is awesome. You mean like uh, giant Mavs? horse or whatever yeah the ones that you're just sitting inside of that blow up around you and you have all these levers and buttons inside of it you can deflate yourself or make your head wobble i do think champ should be named mav's horse (laughs) giant mav's horse (laughs) (laughs) that would be funnier than champ yeah remember the night the nba shut down and cuban is doing a live interview and Giant champ comes down and starts like yes. hitting the reporter on top of the head. <laughs> <laughs> We're Bitch. shutting down the whole league because of this <laughs> pandemic that's about to sweep the globe. There's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a giant Mavs horse uh, hitting the reporter over the head. I can't even remember who it was. I think the so funniest... what do you make of? Go ahead, David. <sighs> We're not together. It's hard, but it, I, every time I think of funny mascots, the funniest thing I've seen a mascot do. Have you seen the video of the Nuggets mascot getting lowered down from the rafters? Yeah. And he's just passed out. <laughs> like, he's passed out the yeah. entire time, and thankfully yeah. he's all right, but it's just a lifeless body of a mascot. <laughs> I know. That is it's, awesome. It's like the uh, the Stonehenge clip from... Um, from Spinal Tap, <laughs> he's just he's just slowly getting raised down and then collapses onto the court. Yeah, just thinking I mean, about it again. Look at and I saw he is uh, he's up there as far as <laughs> is he the one that's in the Hall of Fame? I didn't know there was yeah, a mascot Hall of Fame. He's the highest but, paid mascot. Uh, that's wild. Professional sports. Okay, well, see, he checks all the boxes: though. snout, tail, funny cartoon face. Okay, and funny bits. 
So where do the college football mascots rank? Like the the ones that I'm thinking of in particular are the ones where it's like a guy dressed up, like the the fighting Irish guy or the lumberjack yeah. or whoever, where it's literally just a man in a suit. Yeah, I don't like those. That's not funny. Now, like the Virginia Commonwealth Ram, hilarious. <laughs> I, Googling. We, <laughs> There was a, uh, uh, this is so stupid that I even remember this, but my kids and I still laugh about this to this day. They were in the tournament. I think that's where Shaka was, right? Virginia Commonwealth? Yeah, yeah, VCU. Yeah, VCU. Mm -hmm. So they had a pretty good run through the tournament, so, you know, their mascot got a lot of TV time, and they were about to pull off some upset, and they went to a kid in the uh, crowd who was dressed up as a Ram, and, uh, you know, they gave him, like, a lot of camera time. And then all of a sudden, for a reaction, they went to the VCU Ram. And he acted like he was really ticked because the kid was getting all the camera time. And, again, really stupid. But, I mean, I still remember that moment from whatever it was, 10, 12 years ago. So, yeah, I still think the same thing applies in, in a college game. Snout, tail, funny cartoon face, and funny bits. And it's a good mascot. But, yeah, the... Like the Trojan, not funny. Even uh, cartoon Bebo, he's okay. Um, but I, I'm I'm more like the real animal for college football, like Mike the Tiger. That's or real Bebo than that. Or Bebo, I think Bebo's great. How about the Stanford tree? Don't you feel tree? bad for those animals, though? I feel bad the for tree. them. <laughs> <laughs> Not a real tree. Yeah, they need a real live, like, oak tree or something. That they just yeah, bring out in a cage. That ought to be their goalpost. <laughs> yeah, that ought to be their goalpost. That ought to be made out of trees. <laughs> and just every year, the goalpost gets higher and higher. Eventually, kickers have to They're hit higher, it like 150 yeah. feet in the air. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you prune it every year. I don't know. Oh, that I like this great. idea. I yeah, like these ideas. Speaking of See, bad make game us all feel bits. better over the last uh, yeah yeah of the last three days. It all it all makes us feel better, right? As we just shove Rowdy's face into the mud and kick him repeatedly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah so speaking of him, but yeah of game bits, I saw this the other day. I don't remember what game it was from, but I always love, especially like college basketball games, when the opposing team will try to distract the free throw shooter. And in this particular oh, case, yeah. what they did was they had like a guy like on his back, like with his legs in the air and they put a towel over him. And as the guy was about to shoot, there was like a guy dressed in a doctor's, you know, like a doctor's outfit. And he pulls out this little bitty student from under the towel. Like they just gave birth right there while the guy's trying to shoot his free throw and I wonder how ridiculous we can get on bits to distract oh, free throw shooters. Oh crap, I'm breaking up. Oh no. Oh crap, you got me still? Yeah, we got, yeah, you. We got you. Justin, uh, repeat the entire re repeat the entire <laughs> question again. <laughs> he, All I heard we, was legs up in the air to distract. It wasn't yeah. Arizona State, was it? Oh, I think gosh, that's the, I is that the, the school that does all. I think Arizona State is the school that does the the whole bit where they have the curtain and then they bring it back and it's. Now something. I got a YouTube give birth free throw. <laughs> Didn't think I'd ever have to look that up. That's only the second weirdest thing you've. 
searched in the past 24 hours. Well, yeah, so, like, there's other ones where there's a guy that's, you know, he's just dancing around in a Speedo and everyone's pointing at him. It was Sheridan. I think it's the baby birth. Sheridan, okay. Never even heard of that college putting themselves on the map. Yeah, Yeah, I think I've heard of them. I didn't know they had give birth. Wait, it's a high school. (laughs) I'm just seeing now it's a high school that did this. Okay. Really? (laughs) It's a good bit. Points for creativity. We need to try to pull this off in the NBA. I think that would be better. Yeah, let's have Mavs man give birth. (laughs) Give birth to a a little Mavs Mavs boy. Just a little basketball. (laughs) Or it's like a cross between... Giant Mavs horse and Mavs man. It's, oh God, Chris Arnold, basketball, the, the delivering doctor. Man, this is this is an amazing Sunday morning think tank that we have going right now. <laughs> yeah, we're just we're just spitballing. We're trying to do an I entire segment on mascots. I hope Cuban's writing all this down. <laughs> have Chris Arnold deliver Mavs boy for Mavs all man. Right, we got a birth right in here, the baseline. Okay. <laughs> oh, And if you can hit Mavs Boy with a Whataburger French fry, you're going to win a $100 Whataburger gift card. 20% off Baby Mavs Horse at the Mavs Fan Shop. Man. Now I'm writing oh. down. I'm amazing. There's something there. There's something there. All right, well, let's knock out a break, George, while we while we get your, your phone situation sorted out. And when we come back, okay. we have more to talk about with George Dunham next here on The Ticket. And we are joined by our good buddy, George Dunham. And we just did an entire segment about mascots, and I'm very, very happy of that. It that made makes me, me happy, too. It made me laugh. Fan. We needed, we me needed that. Happy. Absolutely. And definitely the man to have on to talk mascots with. Um, I kind of also wanted to talk to you about when we've had uh, we've had some Tier 1 guests on the past few weeks, and something we bring up with them is their start at the station. And George being one of the originals, the Day 1 guys at the ticket. And I kind of want to know what it was like getting used to working in the mornings. And getting used to that morning routine, that schedule of doing that every day, and how long it took to get used to being a, not even a morning person, but a very early morning person, and doing that every day. My answer to that has always been, I don't know that I've ever really gotten used to it. And and that is, I think the strangest thing is waking up when it's dark outside. And I just, that's always, I mean, when I walk out, I'll walk out tomorrow morning. It'll be, you know, pitch dark, and it's that's just weird to me. I've never really gotten <laughs> that used to it, and it was an adjustment. I think I was so – we moved to mornings um, in place of Skip Bayless in October of 95. That's when we moved from 2 to 5 to 5.30 to 10. And I think I was so – I don't know – petrified and scared to death of doing morning drive and just the responsibility of it first. I didn't really think too much about it. I remember we thought it was a lot of fun that we got a great opportunity, but this is not the patent answer for everyone who's been there since day one. And we, I mean, we just kind of put our head down in January of 94 and started 
going. And we didn't really know exactly what we were doing. We knew we were doing it. <laughs> and it was something that no one else had done in this market. And we really haven't changed that. And that's kind of how it was moving to Morning Drive. It was just something we did. We had to do it. And we did it. And I don't know if we've necessarily been great at it, but, you know, we're still around, so we must have done something right here in the last couple of decades. Have you ever overslept? Because that's my biggest fear of, of Sunday mornings, because I'm not getting yeah. up this early every morning, but it seems like every Saturday night I'm checking my alarm two or three times to make sure I have it set that I'm going to get up on time. Have oh, you yeah, it's happened. Slept that hasn't always been <laughs> efficient, let's say. It hasn't always worked uh, the way it was supposed to. And that may have been someone else, you know, technically on him, but at the same time, I'm the one who overslept, so really whose fault is it? But, um, yeah, that's a backup plan. Oh, but, yes, uh, especially early, that was always my biggest paranoia, and it was always – yeah, you recheck the alarm three or four times, and the first time you hear just a hint of a noise, you're up. But it really is, for the most part now, I wake up before my alarm goes off. I know it's about to go off, and I usually wake up, which is tragic that a human would wake up at 345 automatically every morning. Justin, is that the same so, oh, for yeah. you, like on the on weekends or when you're taking vacations? Like, does your body have a natural clock now where you can't – sleep past a certain time? Not quite on Saturday and Sunday, but I do automatically wake up at 3.45, and sometimes I'll just immediately go back to sleep. Sometimes I have to spend about five minutes of what day is this. And I've, I've had that happen to me like Monday or Tuesday thinking, and I think that's probably the times where I've overslept a bit. Most of those have been a Monday because you're still thinking, oh, it's Sunday, and you just turn off the alarm. Uh, but I, 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 I wake up every day at 3.45 and have to evaluate what day is this, and usually I can go right back to sleep. Um, and, but then sometimes, uh, I would not say that's 100% of the time. Some Saturdays and Sundays, I won't gain consciousness till 8.15 or 8.30 and. You know, it just all depends on what I did the day before and the night before. So do you kind of remember when the show became, or at least the current template of the Musers was kind of set? Like, when y'all first moved to Mornings, y'all didn't have Gordon yet, right? Gordon wasn't like an official part of no, your show? No, we did. He, he, he was a part of it because okay. um, he was doing some things for the Hardline as well, but um, he was a part of it, and it was Mike Thompson's idea. It was going to be us doing the sports end of it. Gordon would be the wacky morning guy, and <laughs> his early nickname. This is back when we had a a a Hummer, uh, a, a ticket Hummer with uh, you know it was wrapped, and that was our big promotional vehicle. Yeah, and Gordon was supposed to go out in the Hummer every morning, give away things, you know, do bits from the Hummer, and. <laughs> Laddie's idea for him was to be called the little Hummer boy. <laughs> <laughs> bring that back. <laughs> yeah, we do need to bring that back. Uh, and so that was kind of the template early, and then it, you know, as 
as we started and as talented as Gordon is, you know, his role grew as the, as the days and weeks went by. And then we came up with the observation deck in the corner. And, but I, I think Muse was a staple pretty early on in our, in our morning time. I think, you know, he started with that and then, you know, he got some other segments as, as we went on. I remember is reading that when, like, when did the 840 bit really get cemented? Like, was that just a gradual process to you, like the other segments? I think it, uh, I want to say that that started like day one of morning drive. Okay, every morning, this is when we're going to do our funny bit, whether it's fake Jerry or Chris McKinley or whatever it is, you know, this, mm-hmm. and then because I, I remember. For the most part, when we moved to mornings, that's how we mapped it out. And then for those who didn't wake up um, or who missed it at 840, we'd replay it the next day, you know, at 640. I, th- I think that template was pretty early on, too. And, um, yeah, that was, that, again, yeah, that was an early way to have Gordon involved and and bring his comedic stylings to the air. In the... Full disclosure book that came out a decade ago or so. I remember reading in there, it was either you or Junior were saying that in your first year or so so of shows, when he would listen back, it, it would sound rough. And it took a while for you guys to really get going and really feel like the machine that the musers are now. Do you remember how long that it took to actually feel like it was a good show or feel like you've evolved or developed from, from day one to, I don't know, the the first few months to when you're really in a routine of this is good. Yeah. I think last Thursday, <laughs> I think that, that was a good uh, show. <laughs> we finally did a good one. Um, yeah, that's a really good one. I, I, I think especially now, if we went back and listened to early shows, we would cringe. You know, just the industry and the station, and you know, it's all evolved over the last 26 years. And I remember in the early days, we would go back and listen a lot. At least I would. Back, we'd, you know, get the logger tapes or what we either we used that or even cassette tapes early in the ticket run. That's how we would record every show. And I'd go back and listen to him and, you know, yeah, I, I think I would cringe then too. I don't know what the exact moment was, but, um, you know, at some point I felt like, I don't know, sometime in the first year or two. And the thing is, is you know, Craig and I have always had an advantage, I think, over most just because we, we have been friends for so long. And some of the stuff we were talking about on the air was the same stuff we used to talk about in you know, our apartment in North Texas or a dorm at North Texas or at the radio station at North Texas. So we had that advantage that a lot of shows didn't. And, uh, but I don't know that, that, that was, I guess that's not always easy too, because is everyone really interested in what you guys thought was funny? And, you know, at the time, I guess it was 10 years ago, we found that you know, as we would tell these stories that, yeah, I don't know if our stories are any better than anyone else's, but they're stories, you know, and we like listening to stories of people and their experiences, and that's basically what we had together, and I think that's always been a, or, you know, people talk about, oh, you guys, you know, you have chemistry and all that. I, I think that's that was an advantage for us because we were 
you know, friends for so long before we started doing the show together. George Dunham of the Morning Musers with us here on the ticket, doing a little Sunday morning broadcasting. What was the listener feedback you guys were ever exposed to early on? Because now, you know, you do a bad segment. In five minutes, you're going to get 50 tweets that say that segment blows. Don't never do that again. But I'm yeah. kind of curious what kind of stuff y'all were exposed to back then, and if y'all got that immediate feedback, or were you just hearing from you know your program director or whoever as far as how much of the content they liked? Well, that's a really good one because it, it has changed so much. I think way back in the day it was the irate phone call, either by the team, and they would like okay. leave a message, you know, like yeah. uh, you, you don't have your facts straight, uh, you know, that, that's what's wrong, what you said, and you would hear it by phone, maybe by fax, if you really, we had a fax number that we would give out, some email, and then, you know, emails started creeping up into the late 90s and and early aughts, but, you know, as far as like a, we didn't really know what people thought of us, you know, we, that whole thing of, okay, we're doing a show, but is anyone really listening? And you guys have probably heard this before, but like our first, what has turned into Guys Night Out, we had a listener party and I think it was a month or two into the ticket. And I mean, three, 500 people showed up. And that's when we thought, okay, we're on to something here. We're, and all these people were coming up saying, boy, I'm so glad to have an all sports station. And, you know, would mention a segment that happened in, in the last couple of months and they were really into it. Um, I think that was the first time that where we had reaction of, okay, this is really working. And it, it was, it was much more impactful than just getting an occasional phone call or fax or uh, back then, heck we got letters to the station, you know, either good or bad. Yeah. And then you'd get, you know, four or five of those a week. And that's how people would communicate with a radio station. But boy, that is about maybe the, the way it's changed the most is just the immediate uh, reaction, good or bad social media email that, that we have now. Do you prefer it like it is now in the social media age? Because, I mean, me and Justin have only been doing a show since Twitter was around, but you guys have been, I mean, you've had most of your shows before that. Do you like it better with that it's immediate reactionary and it's also you can get information right away on Twitter? Or do you prefer it like how you said it was back then where you didn't hear as much, but it was also probably more difficult to get breaking news and know what's going on right at this very second? Yeah, I, I think on balance, I, I think it's better now just because, you know, it, it tells us a, a lot more accountable, you know, to try to have your facts straight and you're immediately you know, <laughs> notified if you don't. I, I think that's better. I, I'm not, I don't know if it's easier in that. And I I, I think sometimes the, the best way is just to whatever you're talking about have your head down, just do the segment and don't necessarily worry about action, immediate reaction so much, but at the same time, that can be really, really valuable. If you have missed something or if someone else, you know, will tweet at you, yeah, but what about this? And they may bring up a great point that you hadn't considered or whatever conversation you're having. And there was a lot of bad that goes along with the immediate reaction of social media, but you know, a lot of it can be good too. And it can be good for the overall product. And 
I, I think that applies to the last few days. You know, I think that has helped amplify what's what's going on. And you know, I heard you guys talking about it earlier uh, in the images we've seen from the protest. And I guess my overall reaction is is why I just uh, I, I don't know overriding sadness. Uh, just on a lot of levels that we're still going through all this, that we're willing to destroy each other, that we're willing to do that to someone we're so, supposed to be serving and protecting what the police officer did. Uh, I guess I'm a little worn out on, and I've been a part of it too, that, you know, just, okay, this is what I think, uh, this is my two sentences on what's happened over the last week. And it's so complicated. It's like you can't make a, a general statement of, uh, you know, something that addresses everything we've been through over the last couple of weeks and over the last 200 years. It's so complicated. Um, but I, I just know it, it hurts my heart. I know that much. And I like to, I think as Mino said it earlier, I think the best thing, well, two things. I still think most people are good. I have to believe that if I'm going to go through the next day and go through the rest of today, I still think that good will eventually win out, whether it's with someone who serves in the police department or just, you know, us in the community. I think most people are good and that will eventually correct um, most of everything that we're going through right now. But I think it was Mino that said it is, that may be the best thing I've heard um, is what can I do? You know, what can we do? And some sort of big declarative statement on social media probably is not going to make a huge difference. But, yeah, what can I do? What can I do? Maybe be involved in big brothers and big sisters. Maybe step out there as a volunteer um, crime watch in your neighborhood. Whatever it is, um, I I think that is a, a great way to operate. Even if you're making a very small difference, at least you're doing something. And collectively, if we all did that, we'd probably get out of a lot of the things that have been uh, holding us back here for however long you want to say that is. And if you want to go back to uh, 200 years ago or 20 days ago, uh, you know, we, we've had a lot of these problems for a long, long time in this country and in this world. Yeah, and I think that's the answer to it is... What can you do for someone else to make it feel genuine, whether it be a friend or something in your community, volunteering, donating money, doing something not to make it seem like you're looking good. Like you, you see a lot on social media now of it's, uh, it's flooding. It's, you know, it's, it's nice post, but I I don't know. It it is. It's it's a lot of, it it comes off as self promotion. It might not be what their goal is. They're, they, they probably don't mean to be look at me, but for me, when I read that stuff, it seems like that. I don't know. Just, just do something nice for a friend or something or someone who's struggling. I, I I don't know what it is. Just whatever it feels right for you to do. Absolutely. And, but you know, it's so funny on that though, when you do that, and I think that is the key is that, you know, that we do try to take care of one another and love one another. But when you do that, you get either that reaction of, well, he did that, but he, or she did that, but they're also promoting it. Or 
you volunteer in some way and, and do something and someone's going to have a negative opinion about it, about that organization or yeah, well, they don't do all good. I, you know, and it's just, it's like, you can't even win with that now. I mean, there, there's just, and that is the, that is the negative to the instant reaction. There is, there is the feet waiting for you right around the corner. Whatever you think is good and the right thing, there's at least one or 12 people out there that, that think it's a bad idea and, and the problem with this country. And, but you know what? You, you, just, you can't worry about that. you got to do what you think is, is right, and, and hopefully it's not a radical thing. That, uh, But you know what? Sometimes it may be a radical thing. What's perceived as radical, that may actually be a really good thing. As long as you do it, it doesn't hurt somebody else. I think that's okay. Um, I don't know. I'm just a... I'm just a talk show host. I certainly don't have answers, but I have concerns like everybody else. It's just amazing to me, though, that you can have a a good idea, act on it, try to do the right thing, and then just someone's waiting there with a two-by-four just to, you know, smack you down and say, it's not that great. Yeah, I mean, that's That's something you, you face, for sure. I mean, I think about just trying to do, like, this job, but we do once a week, you do five times a week and like this particular station i think it's tough like trying to have these conversations because on one hand i know why people are here they're here for sports talk they're here for ridiculousness they're here for us to talk about chris arnold delivering a waterburger man fry baby thing but then also when times are like this we have to talk about what's happening in the world too and you know people aren't going to be into that but you have to discuss it. I mean, we're people yeah. and it has to be talked about. Yeah, I know. And when you start having these discussions, sometimes I, this morning I heard the hesitation in your voice. That's fine. I have the same one because you're hesitating. I want to say something here, but I don't want to offend anybody. And, and I, if we're having a conversation about this, I don't want to say anything that's going to make it worse. And we do have that responsibility at some point we're we're broadcasters and we have a responsibility to our own community to say something that's not going to be inflammatory and it's not going to upset someone and throw gasoline on, on the fire. Um, but you gotta, I think that's been one of the things about the ticket for the last 26 years. We didn't always have some sort of conclusive statement that, you know, wrapped up a topic, but we had a conversation about it and maybe, it made somebody feel better. Maybe it made someone think about it differently. Um, maybe it confirmed someone's thoughts or, you know, maybe it ticked somebody off and then they, and then they did call us or they emailed us. And then we had another conversation and maybe that, uh, somehow found resolution. I don't know that I'd like to say we've helped in, in some ways. I'm sure in a lot of ways we've hurt, you know, I've heard from angry people who, probably don't listen to the station anymore because we said something one time or five times or 10 times. Uh, we're not everyone's cup of tea and that that's all right too. go find that conversation somewhere else. Um, you know, and I've been talking to my kids about this where, and I'm worried about what's going on, but at the same time, we just think if we had the ticket on in the late sixties with some of the demonstrations and riots that were going on or the 1950s or, you know, we did a segment on U.S. Grant on, on Friday and what where our country was in the 1860s and with Reconstruction after that. 
there's always hope out there. You know, we've been through things like this. Well, not maybe a pandemic and race ride at the same time. <laughs> this may be uh, this may be breaking new ground that we didn't want to break, but we'll we'll, we'll get through it somehow. I, I I still have that faith we will. Um, you know, this we've been through this before, and maybe that's part of this problem that we're working through. We've been through it so many times before. We're tired of talking about it. We're tired of seeing it. And some people think, well, we're not making any progress. I still think we're making progress. I really do. I mean, I heard you say earlier, Monty, that just because that guy's charged, he doesn't mean he's going to go to jail for it. You're right. I'm telling you, 30 years ago, I don't know if he would have been charged with murder. There wouldn't have been video of it. There, He probably would have just skated on it, and nothing would have happened other than the people that were there would have known, but... And maybe that would have brought the charges forward, but I I don't know that. And, you know, on balance of the immediate reaction, maybe that's where, you know, the cell phone cam can help. It can show behavior and then, you know, which causes a conversation, which maybe causes protest, which causes a change eventually. Um, You know, maybe that's the good that comes out of it. But I I really do think in a lot of ways, and again, just like when Colin Kaepernick was kneeling, I remember saying that, took heat for this is that I don't, I'm not black. I don't know, um, you know, how, how he feels exactly and how others of color feel um, about some of these things. I'm trying to empathize with them. And, you know, maybe that wasn't the best way to show that, uh, you know, he has a problem with with what's going on in this country and it it offends some people. Um, And I'm talking all over the, all over the map here, but, uh, you know, I, I just I think that's the other thing is that we we try to walk in someone else's shoes the best we can, and for those of color, if 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 it's any any consolation, I think there are a lot of people that are my color who try. They really do. They they really try to think. Okay, how do they feel about it? And you know, I, I think you've had a lot of people who are white who have tried to make this better and. They may be in the minority. They may be 80% uh, of our population that's trying to do the right thing and trying to, you know, see both sides and and be just about this. But I I hope it gives you some hope in in knowing that there are some that at least want uh, want change and, and, you know, want it to be equal for everybody. Yeah, that's uh, that's powerful stuff, man. It's it's definitely something we said we we don't like talking about, but we have to do, and I think you put it perfectly. It's just trying to grow individually, trying to trying to learn more. Justin said, just, just listen. Listen to your friends. Listen to people who have been through these issues, and it'll definitely make you feel something. George, we appreciate you being on with us this morning. We went from talking yeah. mascots to talking about <laughs> real-world serious issues, and this is why no other station can do what we do. And uh, that's right. We, we thank you for joining us. This is it's it's been great, man. From from uh, mascots to the deepest society problems we have. That's 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 a lot of ground to cover in thirty minutes. We've done it all. All right, George. Hi, <laughs> right, guys. Enjoyed it. Yeah, we'll listen to you Thanks, tomorrow George. morning. There's the channel. George Chirp Chirp Dunham.
Work in Progress is David Mino and Justin Montemayor, and they broadcast every Sunday morning from 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. on Sports Radio 96.7 FM and 1310 The Ticket. Be sure to listen. It's a lot of fun.